you, you know I'm a catch. You know that, right? I am the whole package. I'm the catch here. Good looks, the brains, the whole nine yards. I mean, hey. So uh, let's get started here. Covering you from your LB1 to your taxi squad, this is IDP Nation. Manning back, pops, he fires to the far side, it's intercepted, and running into a touchdown! Your home for the best in IDP and draft coverage. Daniel has time in the pocket, steps up, and he's going to be hit from the side, and he's going down, that's a sack! Here are the hosts of IDP Nation, Hollywood and Kyle B. And welcome to IDP Nation. I am your host, Hollywood Titan, and I am joined by my good old buddy, Kyle Bellafue. What's going on, Kyle? What's happening, Hollywood? Happy to be back, man, after the, uh, the the big draft, you know? Yeah, what a weekend. And then, you know, I, I had to uh, I had to rest Monday. I was a little under the weather, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Those, those naps really got me, Kyle. Oh, I know, because you, you, you told me about what, 15, 20 times over a span of five hours how you were napping literally all day while I was at work? You know, I, I was exhausted. I needed some rest. Well, I I did learn that there's like 58 different GIFs or GIFs for, for naps. So you oh, did teach oh, me something. there's more than that, trust me. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Anyway, yeah, we had the draft this weekend. Just so much to talk about. But before we get to that, we've got a – old friend of the show, a former colleague at Dynasty Trip. What's going on, Trip? It's going, man. It's good to be here. I appreciate you all having me on. It's been a crazy week. My wife said to me, you've never paid this much attention to the draft. I was like, I guess that means I'm just writing and ranking and podcasting a little too much. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. After you get a night, though. <laughs> I'm looking forward we've, to talking some football with y'all and talking yeah. about how these, these draft picks fit together. It's some good, there's some really curious fits in here. I'm excited to figure out y'all's thoughts on it. Yep, always Absolutely, glad man. to have you around. Um, of course, if people don't know, you write for Dynasty Football Factory. An old stomping ground of mine. Uh, and, and for those in the Wayback Machine, they, they remember you as a monkey stat boy for us back in the day as well. So we, we've come a long way since then. That's right. That's right. You know, that was the, about, uh, so I've been thinking about this because, you know, I, I obviously wasn't podcasting or anything back in those days. And, you know, I've, I've been on a couple of podcasts now and I just, I had these brain cramps. I'm like, what's that guy's name? And that's how I started. I would hear you, Daryl, say, oh, gosh, help me out, Dan. Help me out, Kyle. What's that guy's name? It's like, that's where the monkey sat crew thing came on because I was like, I would shout it out in the kitchen while I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> well, in yeah. my defense, I may have, may or may not have been thinking clearly. So. <laughs> Sometimes that uh, that crown peach or Jim Beam peach and then Budweiser just catch up to him and he just Don't goes, you dare, what's Kyle. that guy's name? Don't you dare, Kyle. That, you're better than that, Kyle. I hold you and Dan responsible for my shortcomings, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not responsible for anything. Oh, but you are. You just don't know it. Uh, well, we're happy to have you, Trip man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. For yeah. sure. For sure. Um, 
you want to tell them what you're working on, what you're doing? Yeah. 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 Y'all know I'm at dynastyfootballfactory.com and we've been cranking out a whole ton of rapid reactions. In fact, I guess they're not so rapid if they're on a Tuesday, but they're still coming out. We got ra- we got reactions to draft picks that are in front of the paywall with every every prospect you can imagine. It's more on the offense side, but me and a doc, me and at doc FFFN, we got the IDP side covered, and we we're put, covering the first round picks up on there and getting that out in front of folks. And doc and I have our IDP dynasty rankings up on the site too, and that's uh, that's those are. I think they got went out live tonight for an update for folks that got their drafts going. So, and as we come outside this draft, I'll be uh, starting to look at defensive scheme fits and how these rookies fit together. And I've been tweeting about that a little bit too at Dynasty Trip is my Twitter handle and trying to figure out how some of these things fit together. And right now it's a lot of speculation, but we'll get more information here during OTAs and during the summer and training camp. And so I'm excited to keep up with that. So I invite everybody to, to join me in that journey. Yeah, Absolutely. you and uh, you and Doc definitely been cranking out some good stuff over there, man. Keep mm-hmm. it up. Oh, Doc is a beast, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yes. I think we're in a few leagues together. I think all four or all three of us are in the same league, the uh, De- Defense Wins Championships. Yeah, yeah. IDP <laughs> only league. So that's a fun league. Doc's in it. So yeah, that's a. That was that was a lot of fun because we drafted before the draft, and now we're yeah, all making yeah. fun of each other for uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the miss swings and misses. There's <laughs> the guy at the bottom of the screen that got Jamin Davis on one twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Be- better to be lucky than good. <laughs> I can't tell you how hard I- hit I got on the Debbie side, offense and defense. This year. Yeah, but that's what I like about that league is it's so different from anything yeah. else. It's only defense. We did our draft before the NFL draft. Mm. I mean, there's so many twists and turns in this league. It, I mean, you really got to be on your game and paying attention because there's no slouches in the league either. I mean, everybody's oh, yeah. pretty pretty smart mm-hmm. about it. So, yeah. So yeah. You, uh, what's the old saying? You you got to earn your keep in that regulators. <laughs> no, that's right. We don't have anybody loading up on cornerbacks in that league. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, guys. So let's just – we got a lot to cover, so we'll jump through the news and notes here real quick. Um, a lot of fifth-year options being exercised. Uh, there's some that's not, which was kind of surprising, and then there's some that, you know, I'm not surprised, and we'll get to them here. So um, – Hang on, my sheets. Okay, so the Bears exercised the fifth-year option on Roquan Smith. Uh, I expected that to happen. Um, The Washington football team exercised the fifth-year option on Deron Payne. That's a no-brainer for them. Same with Tampa Bay and Via Vea. Cleveland and Denzel Ward, Buffalo and Tremaine Edmonds. I think those are – no-brainers, and you can even throw the Steelers and, and Minka Fitzpatrick in there. Those are all no-brainers, <clears throat> bringing those pieces back on their fifth-year deals. Yeah, I, I agree, definitely. Uh, a lot, most of those guys make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, Roquan, um, young, up-and-coming linebacker, he's been pretty dang good for the Bears. Jermaine Edmonds, they got Edmonds and Milano back together um, for for their uh, the good young duo there. And um, – yeah, and then um, you know Vita Vea, the big the, the big uglies up front that do all the work in the trenches there. Vita Vea and Deron Payne. Deron Payne's solid. And that that Washington defensive line is just man, just full of talent, man. So good, so good. Yeah, 
I think that the, the, the you all talked about Via Vea and Deron Payne. I mean, those two guys make a hell of a lot of sense. It's just awfully hard to find a nose tackle that has enough wiggle yeah. to go out there yeah. down. And so uh, I saw uh, something on Twitter a few weeks ago talking about it's getting more important to push the pocket than it is to get speed around the edge. And it was a Daniel Jeremiah tweet that showed Vita Vea a collapse in the pocket. He's, he's just an underrated player out there, I think. Now, the, out of all those fifth-year options, the one that, to me, I thought was most borderline, actually, was Tremaine Edmonds. I, I did, too. That's what I was fixing to ask, yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I usually look at that guy, and he's out there with Matt Milano, and you looking at a what a mid-round pick who's out there with him, and it shows that you can get the type of production from a middle linebacker without using a premium pick and without paying a high salary. And so I was – Slightly surprised. I don't. I want to say surprised because I. I mean, I guess it would have been more surprising had they not used it on him. But it was one of those where if they had not, I could have seen it because of the the salary that you're paying to a middle linebacker. And yeah. I think the reason they do use it on him is because he's still like 23 years old, and uh, right. they want to get two more years out of him to see if he has time to develop. They still think he has more upside than Milano for sure. So, yeah. but I thought that was an interesting one. Out of all the ones that we had on the list, that was the one that this yeah. to me is closest. For sure, and you're you're talking about Milano. Don't forget, they signed Terrell Adams away from uh, Houston in free agency. So, and he's already proven he can play next to an LB one and put up big numbers like he did last year. So, um, be interesting to see what they do with those three together. Is is there an odd man out? Um, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of surprised they give Edmonds his fifth year option with that. I think I think that was a great point. Um, I I what I agree with Trip. That was probably the one that was the closest, you know, as far as maybe out of that group to not get it. But like Trip said, he's what twenty three. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you guys do you think that you know they're giving the fifth year option to get their dudes back together with Edmonds Milano and they kind of assess the situation with what they want to do going forward, probably mm-hmm. with Edmonds. You know, kind of see what the you know like Trip said, paying a linebacker is you know you could get production later in the middle rounds like a Milano and stuff. So um, well, Milano's the older of the group of the three. Right, so, right, right. So, you know, giving Edmonds, I guess if you want to twist it this way, giving Edmonds the fifth year option, you brought in Adams, it's a one year deal. So if he falls on his face, you're, you're not tied up there, but if he hits again, then maybe Adams is that replacement for an older Milano because Adams is a little younger, if I'm not mistaken. So Adams is younger than Edmonds. No, he's younger than Milano. Oh, okay. I'm not sure about that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he is. I'm not real sure, but mm-hmm. they're just kind of protecting themselves in case Milano doesn't work out or whatever. And then who knows? Maybe one of those three gets red hot and they say, hey, maybe we can trade him and get something else, you know? It's an option as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll stay with the fifth-year guys. This time we're going to look at some that their options got declined such as the Steelers, they declined, speaking of Edmonds, his brother Terrell, the safety, uh, they declined his option. Um, any issues with that before we get to the other two? Because I think the other two we're going to have some uh, a little discussion <laughs> on here. Go ahead, Tripp. Yeah, I thought that I thought that made a lot of sense. I mean, you look at that yeah. safety duo and you have Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick, and when he got there, what is it, a year and a half ago, or it was transformative for that defense. And there yep. is just tremendous value to having a guy that can hold down the back end the way that Fitzpatrick does. He is an absolute difference maker in that defense. You look at Terrell Edmonds, and he's the strong safety. And so he's 
a little bit more like a linebacker in the sense that he's replaceable. He's it's just right. and he's been in my mind relatively invisible compared to all the all the studs on that team. And I'm not at all surprised. And then you consider on top of that that Marcus May got a franchise tag, and if I recall correctly, that made him the sixth highest paid safety for 2021. And that's yeah. just you just don't need to invest that kind of coin in the safety unless it's just an elite playmaking guy. And so right. it made a lot of sense to do Fitzpatrick and a lot of sense to leave Edmonds aside. They can find another player to come in that spot for that cost. Yeah, plus this draft class had a few safeties to make it a little easier to let him go. Plus there's some guys like Kenny Vaccaro and such <laughs> on free agency. So I'm with you. I think it made sense to let him go. Um, yeah, I completely agree there. I to totally agree. Um, Fitzpatrick's the guy that makes it happen back there. And Edmonds, like, like Tripp said, you're not going to spend up, you know, right. for what for what he's been doing. So, yeah, it makes sense. All right, so we got two more here. Uh, interested to see a little bit different situations pending against them. I guess we'll just start with the first one here. Leighton Vander Esch, the Cowboys have decided not to exercise his fifth-year option. Executive Vice President Stephen Jones said they would like to discuss it after the draft and work on something this season. Um, I think his injuries are a little concerning. Um, uh, even, you know, you got Sean Lee out of the way because he finally retired injury prone. You would kind of think they would keep LVE, but if you look what they did during the draft, and that's something we'll get into here in a, in a little bit, but if you look at what they did in the draft, it makes sense not to bring LVE back, I think. Make him prove it. Make him prove he can stay healthy. It's not a question about the talent in my mind. It's it's about the health issue and, and if they can rely and depend on him. And they full on they, they took two guys to replace Edmonds and yeah. I mean not Edmonds, uh Fanderush and Jalen yeah. Smith on that defense. And they got good value. I I, I was it early third or early fourth round pick they got Jabil Cox. I mean that's a guy I thought was going yeah. in second. Yep. And so he he fits in schematically in my mind right next to Micah Parsons really well. And it just absolutely made Micah um Langton Vanderesh expendable. And I, yep. I, I I you know I maybe I don't give the Cowboys defense uh the Cowboys uh GMs and such enough credit there but in the you know, <laughs> they're the Jones and they're the families and I got the jersey on and all the rest of the stuff. And, you know I just I cannot keep getting out of my mind when they had to talk Jerry down from drafting Johnny football. So I look at what they do there and I just think that there's an emotional reaction about Leighton Vanderess and oh man, he's just the next Sean Lee and he can't stay healthy and we don't need him. We just got to move on and get a guy that can stay healthy. And I, I'm not a fan of the idea that somebody's injury prone. Now, Leighton Vanderess had that net coming in. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the building. I don't know what the medical staff thinks about right. that. But I, I that that makes me wonder. I agree with y'all that that you, Daryl, that, that he has some talent. And it's just he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And that defense they had last year, that scheme, it was a big change. Mm -hmm. And the, the interior defensive linemen they had in front of those linebackers were awful. I mean, they yeah, put they a chip on Don Terry Poe, who they cut midseason. They put a chip on Gerald McCoy, who tore a quad and never saw freaking preseason or August. Yeah. And, and yeah. then they're rolling in with backups. And that that's just – I mean, they just set those guys – they, they, they set up Eshen Smith to fail, in my mind. 
and they failed. I mean, they were bad. Yeah. That's, not, yeah. that's not mince words, but the fact that you go and use premium draft picks to replace those guys with all the holes they had on the first and third level was awfully puzzling to me. But um, after having taken those guys, it's not a surprise that they don't exercise the fifth-year option on Van Der Esch. Uh, middle linebacker, like we said a minute ago, is not a premium paid position, and there probably aren't going to be too many guys that would get paid more than him on a fifth-year tag. So you got to let it go, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree. It's uh, quite the interesting situation there in, in, in Dallas now with the linebackers. Um, I agree with you, Tripp. You said they got – good value you know especially with Jabril Cox in the fourth round I was surprised he fell that far they had to be sitting there going well you know like this <laughs> this makes this makes too much sense to not uh, take him he's a he's going to be a good coverage linebacker he's going to fit in real nicely like Tripp said next to Parsons and they didn't get the corner you know everybody was pegging them for a corner at 10 unfortunately um JC Horn and Sertain go right in front of them they move back a little bit and still get Parsons so um yeah it's but you know obviously Looking at now with with Parsons and Cox, you know, the, bringing in these two young guys, they're gonna, you know, it makes sense. And with Van Der Esch's injury concerns with the neck and stuff, um, I, I like Lane Van Der Esch. Uh, he's a good player, uh, right. great story too. Come from the small school, eight man football, you, you know, and um, just and he performed really well right out of the gate for for the Cowboys. But uh, yeah, um, def, definitely get it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the draft for the Cowboys or the Cowboys, the draft made them one of the more intriguing teams in the draft because, you know, they, I'm sure they kind of knew what they were doing with LVE. And you had Sean Lee retired just before the draft. You've got these concerns with LVE. Everybody's thinking you're taking corner. You're probably looking at corner, but then you have to go right off the board in front of you. Uh, and which we're going to get into. So, yeah, maybe – who knows? Maybe they were geared up for a corner, and their guy got gone, and then then Philadelphia comes knocking of all freaking people, comes knocking on the door and says, hey, let's trade, and you wind up with the best defender in this whole draft class. That's just crazy to me how that worked out. I, when I seen there was a trade, I was like, oh, okay, who's moving up here? And I – I almost fell out of my chair when I realized it was Philadelphia. I was like, I need what, to go what check is, because I think hell is freezing over. What a scenario, though. They trade with Philly to jump the Giants. Like, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just goes to show you that, that NFC East, they don't like each other at all. Right. They, will, they will deal with the devil to cut the other one's throat. So. Yep. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Great stuff. Yeah, that was uh, – love that. And then uh, I guess our last – well, no, not, not our last. we got a few more. So now we – Tripp done – he's our resident cowboy guy. I guess it's on me now. Tennessee's not bringing back Rashawn Evans. Um, they declined his fifth-year option, uh, which kind of surprised me considering they're super thin at linebacker. They let Jayon Brown go and then brought him back in free agency. So to see them decline his option kind of surprised me. But according to John Robinson, they are hoping to get a deal done before the end of the season. They're they're trying to work out something. It's not that they don't want him. They're just trying to work out a longer deal uh, to get him back. And I, and I almost think – I think they have to with their death chart. I mean, they don't have a whole lot. So maybe it's kind of a – try to light a fire under his ass type deal to see if he can 
progress because he's really not progressed like they hoped he would. Well, you have the instructive example right there with Jayon Brown. They let him walk. He sits out there for a couple of weeks, and they bring him back for $3.5 million. Yep. They can bring yeah. Yeah. Sean Evans back for $3.5 million if that's what they want to do. They bring yep. in Monty Rice as insurance yep. in case they need to go another direction. So that John Robinson is playing it correctly. There's no reason to pay the 6 or $7 million, whatever the fifth-year option is on Rashawn Evans. He is not – really emerged the way that they hoped he would based yep. on being picked 23 overall. And they made the right call in my opinion. And you got David Long sitting back there behind him. Who's, yep. you know, Hey, we'll just roll with him if we have to, if you don't want to help us out. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, John Robinson's they making did. all the right they, moves. I think they spent, day, they spent day two capital on Monty Rice too. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. A little yeah. Third, third rounder that's there. And, and that's like you said, light a fire. Um, you know, Monty Rice is solid. So, um, and, and, like Tripp said, they already showed Jayon Brown hit the market and they brought him back on a sweet deal for, for mm -hmm. them. I mean, I think Jayon Brown's a big piece to your guys' defense. I mean, he's excellent coverage yeah, yeah. and he runs the show. Um, I mean, that super unfortunate injury, that elbow deal, man, that was, that was brutal. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a good point. Good you point know, there, Tripp. Was, they, they seen already what happened. I'm glad mm -hmm. you said that because that was a huge freaking gamble. Because mm -hmm. I, I think if he doesn't hurt that elbow, mm -hmm. They don't let him hit free uh, agency. No, he has been. Oh, no way. Yeah. They don't let him hit free agency. They yeah. knew <laughs> that when he hurt that elbow, they knew they had it, that his value would be down and they would have a chance to get him back. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to play that bluff card. Don't show your hand. Sometimes you just got to bluff and that's good enough to win. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, completely agree with you guys there. Um, New York Jets, Robert Sala. He expects C.J. Mosley to be a fit for his 4-3 scheme defensively. And I'm dead on it right now. I'm buying up some Mosley. I know a lot of people are down on him because he hasn't played in basically two years. You know, he got hurt the one year. Then he opted out last year. So, with that said, there's going to be a lot of rust when you've not played in two years. But, they, you know, he's still better than what they have. Uh, I think if he can get the rest worked off, I think he's a great option for them. Yeah, I think that he's a good value there, too. I was wondering what they would do this offseason with him because, like you said, he sits out there. He basically hasn't played since 2018. I mean, right. he was injured almost all of 2019. He opts out of 2020, and he's getting – like, I think he's at least 28. I mean, it's like it's just been a while since we've seen him. You just got to wonder, how has he, he maintained his body? and. How's, is he ready to go? And I, those are questions to ask. And then with, with regard to the scheme fit, I thought that was interesting because that is a hard defense to play in my mind. Yes. To bring out that double wide nine again. It's just you, Fred Warner has preternatural ability to recognize the play action and get back. Yes. If if there is in fact play action. And that's why he's an all pro. And to put Jared Davis and CJ Mosley out in that same <laughs> spot, it's like, I'm interested to see how that goes. That's going to be entertaining football for an IDP nerd. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And speaking, I mean, clearly we're a fantasy show. We're mm -hmm. fantasy writers, podcasters here. But the value right now for C.J. Mosley is so low, mm -hmm. you can pick him up for basically pennies right now. And who would have thought that two years ago, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when he left Baltimore yeah. and hit free agency and he went to the Jets, people were like, oh, my God, he's going to be on the field forever. <laughs> he's going to rack up 200 tackles, you know, uh, and unfortunately for him, he got hurt. And then just, then of course, COVID hit and he opted out. So 
there's there's pros and cons with all of it. Sure, he's not played in two years, but the the flip side is that he's not, that's two less years of wear and tear on his body. So mm-hmm. if he can knock off the rust, I'm buying him right now because you're never going to get him at a cheaper value with a higher upside probably he's worth the gamble right now for your fantasy teams. Just mm-hmm. worth it. And, and let's face it, the Jets are still with all the exciting pieces and stuff. They've got a lot to figure out. New head coach, new quarterback, new running back, just a whole new team, new scheme. They've got a lot to figure out. So if he can be just 80% of what he was, he's going to be a huge fantasy uh, asset, I think. Boy. Yeah, they can't sit him down for sure. Right, right, right. Look, look, look at the depth chart. Yeah, like, like we said, uh, Jared Davis, you know, Blake Cashman, Harvey Lange. You know, it's uh, it it, it Mosley's going to be counted on, right? And it's, I agree, it's going to be interesting to see how that that scheme works out. You know, because it's tough. You know, that's uh, they got some things to figure out. And um, yeah, like you said, if if you can get Mosley cheap, it's crazy. Like where the value is now compared to a few years back, you know, but he hasn't played in a few years and um, yeah, we're worth a gamble if you can get him on, on the cheap. So. Yep. Absolutely. And then our last one, I seen this one pop up today. Uh, I always try to look for the most recent news and notes for us to hit. I thought this one was a little interesting. The Las Vegas Raiders signed former charger defensive back or cornerback uh, Casey Hayward. Uh, to a one-year deal. So I like that for the Raiders because Arnett and that crew has just not – their drafting has been questionable at best. I think they it's a great fit for him. He's still got some big play in him, uh, can provide some veteran leadership. Um, I just like that for the Raiders. I thought it was a good move. Not, I don't know what the details yet are on the contract, but I'm pretty sure it's a, just a one-year deal. But either way, I, I think it's a good value for them. Yeah, this I was, I was surprised that the that the Chargers cut him. I, I was too. Was making a good chunk of change, I guess, but um, he's a good player in my mind. And uh, yeah, I was that was that come as a surprise to me. And the fact that he sat out there for a long time makes me wonder. Well, how much money was he sitting out there for? And so, well, you know, it does say he's going to be thirty two in September. I didn't realize he's quite that old, but still, he is still. that old. And I was kind of, I'm with you. I was super surprised they cut him. But once they cut him, I'm not surprised that he sat there that long because this lower cap number really screwed a lot of teams up. I mean, it it put them in a, a very penny-pitching situation that they just mm-hmm. weren't ready for. So, But I, 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 just, I think it's a good fit for the Raiders. I think they're going to – it almost seems like the Raiders do better with their veterans than they are their draft here lately. <laughs> Which is crazy, but yeah, they get Mike Mayock, who's this draft guru. They pick after pick after pick. You're like, what do they do? They take a guy 20 picks early, they go, Oh, look at us, we're all smart. It's like, y'all could have traded back and taken the same guy, but let's face it, they are taking some guys that, regardless of where they took them, uh huh. Let's use Kalan Farrell, for example. Sure, they took him a lot earlier than most people thought, mm-hmm. but most people thought he was a first-rounder regardless. I don't care if it was first or if it was 32nd. You thought he was a first-rounder, and he's been anything freaking but that. Yep. So it's – Not great. You know, it's 
<laughs> I agree with you, Trip. They, they, they're a little early on some of their picks. You know, Josh Jacobs has been, I think, a pretty good pick for them so far. Um, I know sometimes we get carried away and we're like, oh, we got a big numbers, and then it kind of don't happen. Sometimes you got to look at it and say, you know, he's done what they've really kind of needed him to do. So, um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's just interesting. They brought in another veteran, which I thought was great mm-hmm. for them. Oh yeah, they needed that help. That that's. I yes. think, I think uh, Green Bay needs to bring Casey Hayward back since he originally started with us. So we should trade Kevin King to uh, the Raiders for Casey Hayward. Get this figured out. <laughs> I love you, Kyle, but. Casey Hayward ain't keeping Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, baby. That ain't happening. This has nothing to do with that whole problem. I'm just saying. Oh, it right. does. I didn't, I didn't want Casey Hayward to leave in the first place when he left years ago. Right. But he's had a good career, which Tripp yes. said. You know, he's 32. He's had a good, long career. I did not realize he was 32. Either. I didn't know either until you said older, that. But, I knew yeah. he was older, but, but I didn't now, know like, he was 32. Good, good veteran player for the Raiders for sure. Like you guys said. Wow. Josina Anderson reports that it's up to four million dollars. Is that? Oh wow! For one off. year? Yeah. Gosh, that's that goes to the salary cap and trades that you just mentioned. That, that's that's all that can explain that. Yeah, Man. but you know, I'm not hating it. I mean, David Arnett was trash. Um, what was the other guy that got in trouble? No, he didn't get in trouble. Meek oh, Robinson. Darren Conley, you mean? Who was, uh, was Yeah, uh, Conley, that's the one who got in trouble. He, he washed out. Yeah. He's in Houston now. And, yeah, and Trayvon Mullen. Uh, yeah, yeah they've just not hit on their corner. So maybe they're switching gears and saying, hey, let's go with some proven veterans and see what we can do that way. So mm-hmm. one year, four million. Uh, that's I'm not hating it, maybe a little much, but I'm not hating it. No, I think it's good value, man. I yeah, do. I just don't get it. I don't get why, like, why he's available for four million. I mean, if I'm the Chargers, I'm paying him the, I'm paying him five million to come back another year. Yeah, I don't remember what the number. The number in in, in L.A. was like eight. It was a big number. But yeah, he's probably yeah. not an eight million guy at this point. I don't mm-hmm. think. But five, six. If I'm the Chargers, I pay that easy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes you know, he, he knows your system. He knows your team. He's a leader in your clubhouse probably easily. I say clubhouse like this is baseball. I'm watching Cubs, so excuse me. Um, but in your locker room, you know, I know it don't help us in fantasy, and it, but there's a lot to be said for that leadership, that, that longevity, that familiarity with the team. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but there is an unquantified value there that there that is real. So, uh, all right. Of course, we got to pay a few bills here. You know, good <laughs> stuff, guys, because we're we're fixing to hit the main event, and we're we are going to hit this thing running. Mm-hmm. I, I know uh, Trip is just chomping at the bit. He's like, "I wish you'd shut the hell up and let's go with this." But uh, <laughs> I was thinking it too. <laughs> you're better than this, Kyle. You are better than this, Kyle. But, yeah, we got to pay a few bills. So we want to thank MyFantasyLeague.com for sponsoring us. Uh, our listener leagues, they sponsor the IDP Invitational that's ran by the IDP guys. Uh, you know, they're always glad to help, and I've never had an issue with anything that I've needed they always respond quickly, and they give you the right answer and tell you how to fix it. So thank you there. Also, we want to mention Action 24-7. It's a locally owned gambling site 
for Tennesseans by Tennesseans. So you have to live in Tennessee to be able to use it. But man, they have got so many things going on right now. Boost galore. You know, they've, you know, go visit their special section of their sport book. They've got boost every day, especially for the local teams, you know, the Titans, the Predators, uh, Memphis, uh, you know, the college teams, they got it going on right now. Um, you know, they got to take me out to the ball game thing going on because uh, baseball is is at the forefront right now. Even with the draft, baseball is going on. So you can build a parlay of three MLB teams that you will think will win. And uh, they've got stuff going on for that. They got the um, hockey and basketball playoffs are coming up. So they got the playoff baby stuff coming on. Uh, you can make your bets there. Um, and then remember, anytime that you go make your bet, use the promo code Hollywood100, and they'll give you a match up to 100. I think it's 150. Uh, it, hopefully, you took advantage of last week when the match was up to 300. But it's, but if you're on it this week, it's up to 150. You put in 150, they'll match 150. And of course, anytime when you uh, make those deposits and use that code, you're helping us because, you know, we hate to beg for help, but, you know, we do have a few costs. Trip knows this stuff just isn't totally free. So, you know, it helps us out and keeps us on the airwaves, and, and we so appreciate it. Um, we've been getting some feedback from Action 24-7 about you guys making those deposits. Please keep doing that, and we appreciate you so much for that. Definitely appreciate it. Yes, yes. Um, all right, so now whew, here we go. So we're <laughs> going to – the main event, what we've all been waiting for, we're going to discuss the first round. Now I have – on our show sheet, I got the entire first round. Um, with us being IDP-related, I think that's where we'll stay. I mean, of course, we could talk – Everybody knows Trevor Lawrence was first, Zach Williams second. Uh, then we can kind of go with some of those other guys on offense. And and maybe if we do the Patreon, maybe those Patreon listeners will uh, kind of hang around and see our thoughts on some of that. Maybe that's what we'll do there. But let's, let's focus on the IDP side. So we didn't have an IDP come off until pick eight with Carolina. A lot of people thought quarterback was an option. Um, even with them trading for um, Sam Darnold. Darnold. Yes, thank you. Yep. Even with them trading for Sam Darnold because they hadn't picked up the fifth-year fifth, fifth year option at the time, I've I seen some rumors and rumblings that they were kind of – to me, it kind of like told me, yeah, they were waiting to see what quarterbacks fail or whatever. Um but at number eight, they took the first IDP off the board, J.C. Horn, uh, cornerback from South Carolina, which is kind of interesting to me because depending on who you follow, depending on who you ask, or depending on your own evaluations, they was three corners that were kind of just swirling around in a funnel there as who was the best corner. Um, I love J.C. Horn a lot. I did not think he was the best corner on the board. 
but I'm not hating it. Uh, gives them a good option opposite of Deontay Jackson playing with um, last year's super rookie, Jeremy Chin. So I think they really solidify their secondary with that pick. Um, interesting that Matt Rule last year used all, <laughs> I think it was all eight picks on defense and started this year's draft with defense. So nine straight picks on defense and he's made it clear he's building that defense. He he's retooling. So um, the cornerback. Uh, did you all agree with Horn being that number one guy? First of all, I didn't think he would be the first IDP player off the board by any means. But you know, at corner, did, was he your first corner? Um, what's your guys' thoughts? I was surprised by it personally. I just y'all know I'm I'm a Panthers fan as well as a Cowboys fan because I lived in South Carolina for 25 years and got to Clemson the year after that the Panthers played their inaugural season in Death Valley. So I kept up. I've been keeping up for them for a long time, and I just didn't think it was particularly good value. You all are better scouts than me as to say whether or not Sertan or Horn was better. But um, I I I just you know like you said there's like two or three guys there that you could say are you know similar value. So what are you doing, Dynasty? Right, you trade back. <laughs> you know, I bought the Panthers for trade back. I, yeah, I really did. I, I was there was chatter last year that they would trade back, and then the Marty Herney really wanted Derek Brown, and so they did that. And so I thought, <clears throat> I thought there was a chance they would take Mac Jones there, quite honestly. And I thought the the, the, you know, the other option was to trade back and get more picks. But um, I do think that Jay Horn really, you know, JC Horn really helps them in terms of their scheme, what they want to do. They played an enormous amount of zone last year because they were relying on guys like Razul Douglas. And, you yeah. know, he runs a four, six, three, you know, a long time. Yeah. He probably runs a four, seven, five by now. If he's like me, he's got to work. So he just, that's really limited their defense and what they wanted to do. They want to be more aggressive. They want to play some more, ma- some more man one. Uh, they really, they want a guy to get out there and, and, and disrupt and, and get, the, get his hands on the ball. So I think that really helps him. So I think that in terms of the player and the fit, that, that, that it makes sense. It's just when you take that guy at 108, I, I don't love that value. That, that's about all I can say about it. From an IDP standpoint, I think that J.C. Horn will be a CB1 in my preseason rankings. He's, I think he makes a lot of sense there. He's going to see a lot of action. He's going to get his hands on the ball. He's going to give up some receptions and get some tackles. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I completely oh, yeah. agree. I was stunned. A, he was the first defender off the board, and B, I just didn't think Carolina would take a defender that early. Um, not that they wouldn't take one with the first with their first round pick, but I was kind of like you. They're in this quarterback market, maybe yes, no. If they're good with Darnold, move back, get your guy later. So I was completely with you on that. So to see them almost, for lack of a better term, jump the gun and start the run here, that. I was stunned by that for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought they were in a spot to to trade back as well, um, like Trip said, and, and you said Daryl. You know, thought they were maybe taking a QB as well, or they were going to trade back for someone come up to get one. But um, you know, corner was definitely a need for the Panthers, and I am a JC Horn fan. Um, I think he's got good size. I mean, he ran a four four albeit it's pro day, but um, he obviously has wheels. Um, I think he's feisty as hell at the catch point. Um, he, he's a press man corner. He's got that swagger and that moxie to go out there. He'll take on a team's number one, which like Tripp said, is going to lead to him putting up points in, at, at corner because he's going to 
you know, he's going to get some tackles there and get some and allow some receptions. But um, he's yeah, got it, some dog in him. He he does. A dog you, corner. I I know it's been said on Twitter and other places, and I watched the tape as well against Auburn when he went to battle with uh, Seth Williams, and that was just a ton of fun to watch. Um, they just they went at it, and and it was a it was a great a great battle to watch them go at it. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes sense um, if they couldn't trade back or if they just were like, okay, they didn't like the offers and they wanted a corner cause they needed it. Um, I, you know, it's might've been a little early, but per se, but um, I, I do think it's a good fit for them. And I do like the player. I, I think Horn does have the, you know, the game and the, the personality and the feistiness and the, the size to, to be that press man corner and he's good in zone too. And I, yep. I think, you know, that like you guys said, they put nine picks in their own defense add another young player to it. Um, yeah. They were in it. That was a really interesting spot that, that eight spot when, and then nine as well as we get there yeah. um, on, Which, on what was going to happen. We say it all the time. If your guy's there, don't, don't give a shit yeah. what nobody else thinks or says, <laughs> go, go get your guy. Right. You know, we, we say it all the time, fantasy yeah. or whatever. So, I mean, if that's their guy, then I'm not <laughs> hating it. I just, I, me personally, I'm like Trip. I thought they could have moved back yeah. and got their guy, but um, the Panthers you know. are going to be interesting for you, Trip. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> now we'll see what yeah, they do with it. So absolutely, it's going to be got, fun. They got a strategy. I'm not sure what I think of it. I, you know, <laughs> you can you bring in? I, you know, that's why I thought they'd take Mac Jones. They really like them, Nathan mm-hmm. Rogers. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yep. For sure. <laughs> so we so now we come to number nine. JC Horn's off the board. The Broncos are up. And I'll be damned, it's almost the same thought process. The Broncos <laughs> rumored to be in this quarterback freaking frenzy. And what do they do? They take Patrick Sertain the second from Alabama, who I personally had as the best corner in this class. Um you know, I don't think there was a perfect corner in this class, but I thought he was the best. Got the DNA, bloodlines. You know, his dad played in the NFL. So, and then when you when you come from that Nick Saban uh, coaching uh, coaching regime down there, it's just hard to pass on him. Um, once the draft was over, and I kind of processed it, I kind of like it. You know, they they needed that corner, that youth shot. Um, out there, uh, you can kind of tell a lot about what a team's thinking by how they, what they're picking in the draft. So, you know, first Panthers, now Denver, everybody was thinking clearly offense, mainly, especially quarterback, and they go corners back to back, which I'd have to go back and look the last time that corners went first two IDP players off the board, especially inside the top 10. I don't, I'd have to go back and look and see if that's ever happened. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I love that. I love that for Denver. It, it made a lot of sense. I thought that Denver was in a weird spot at nine because yeah. I thought their biggest need was an edge to bookend Von Miller. And there really wasn't good value at nine to do that. And then, so well, what's the answer then? Do you take Micah Parsons? I thought that might be an option. Um, quarterback Mac Jones again do you want to go that route but then they just traded for Teddy Bridgewater so they seem to have a different idea in in terms of what they wanted to do there and so and then the other thing I thought about was tackle because you know so what happens y'all might have saw in the news today that Juwan James is out for the Phillies but Mm. he was a guy that he was he was out for 
he out most of 2019 with injury and didn't play well before that and then opted out last year. I thought that they might look at tackle there, but then again, they have a good left tackle in Garrett Bowles. So uh, they weren't in a, they were in a weird spot. And so what struck me is that I cannot help but wonder, did Chicago offer them the pick 20 and the, and the 2022 first round pick to come up? And if they declined that, then they're, that's malfeasance there. I just, I just, I don't know what's going on there, but I, I saw that tweeted out too, and I say 100% agree. If, if Chicago came to Carolina, Denver, and Dallas and brought 20, pick 20 and their 2022 first, and if any of those teams declined it, they're just, they screwed up. Yeah. To get Justin Fields. So, I mean, the, the, you know, we'll talk about that a bit, I guess, but yeah, that, that struck me. And so I don't hate the Sertan pick. I mean, he certainly helps them, but they had also gone out and gotten Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller in free agency. And they have Bryce Callahan coming back. So it didn't stand out as a need. That said, yeah. you can never have enough cornerbacks. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. – you, if you have a weak, weak link in your secondary, then you're going to get eaten up. Yep, so, and you triggered me on a couple of things you said there. First, Darby, I think he immediately gets shuffled down because Sertain's going to start mm-hmm. outside of Fuller. Um, plus, he gives them a shot of youth. But just before the draft – and I don't know if you guys heard this, but I did because of my Titans, so – I was kind of tuned in what's coming here. The New Orleans Saints tried every way in the freaking world to jump in the top 10. Now, the rumor was they wanted Caleb Farley, but they tried every way in the world to jump in the top 10. And I don't know what teams they were talking to, but Carolina, if I'm Carolina or Denver at eight and nine. I got to think you move back. I, I, now, again, I don't know what New Orleans was offering, but that seemed kind of weird to me that both of them took corners in the top 10. New Orleans was trying their best to jump in the top 10 to take a corner. And they could, one of those teams couldn't get a deal done. That just kind of, I don't know, that just seemed a little weird to me on that part because clearly New Orleans needs a corner. You know, Jack Rabbit's gone. I forget uh, who they've got. Uh, they've got Chauncey Gardner, but I think he moved to safety. So they needed help at corner. I think it's Williams that's playing the other corner, if I'm not mistaken. So they needed help there. Just, I don't know, that whole thing just kind of, that little triangle there just kind of seemed weird to me. Yeah, just to piggyback off what you guys said, that I I totally agree. Denver was in an odd spot there. You would yeah. think that you would think that Chicago was calling those those teams at eight at Carolina and Denver to get up to get Fields. Um, uh, yeah, you, you look at it now and think you probably should should have took that deal. It makes a lot of sense, like Trip said. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think Sertain, like uh, like you said, Daryl Sertain's uh, a good player. Um, you know, uh, they signed Fuller. They got Darby. Uh, you know, can never have enough corners if that's what they felt they needed. Certain's a good one. Um, definitely, that was just that eight nine range. I was just waiting to see what the hell was going to happen there with the way things were going. You know, um, but yeah, good good player, and you know, um, he'll fit in nicely there. Yeah, they were in a, a strange spot, and I'm kind of surprised something we're fixing to get into. I'm I'm kind of surprised the eight and nine wasn't a pick that was moved that was coming up. I, I, you know, you don't never know this stuff during the draft. You always hear it 
during the course of the year or a couple of years later, hey, so-and-so tried to do this or do that, but mm-hmm. uh, just kind of weird to me. And then we're, mm-hmm. we'll get to it here. So the next defensive player comes at 12. So we had two corners at eight and nine to Carolina and Denver. Philadelphia of all teams, we kind of mentioned it, dances with the devil, trades up with Cal, uh, with the Cowboys to jump in front of the Giants. They take an offensive player. The Bears fell ass backwards into luck here and got Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. So then at 12, where Dallas is at, they traded back two spots. They get the consensus number one defensive player in this freaking draft. They get Micah Parsons outside. Well, I don't want to say outside linebacker because he's played both outside and inside. And if you go back to his days in high school, he started out as a defensive end, so he can do everything. Now, is he a little raw? Does he need some polishing? Yeah. So uh, I love this. I thought this was a freaking grand slam for Dallas because he, he can cover up anything for them. He can play inside for LV if he wants to. They can kick him outside where Alden Smith used to be. Or if they want him to bulk up, he can probably play up there opposite of Demarcus Lawrence because, let's face it, uh, Gregory, Randy Gregory's not really cutting it out. So they have a lot of options that they can do with him, and I think he's a piece they can move around. I think they hit a grand slam with this, and I'm so interested to hear what uh, Tripp has got to say because I know he's just got so much going on right here. I tell you, I, they got sniped with Pat Sertan. That's who they wanted. That was, yes. I mean, that was the, the Cowboys do a worse job than other teams of hiding with their intentions. And it, it was Sertan that were sitting there thinking it was in the bag, and then all of a sudden it's, oh, crap. <laughs> we don't have a cornerback to choose because J.C. Horn was option B. And they yeah, don't you think when those two corners come off, they were dying for somebody to move oh, up? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was interesting that they moved back from 10 to 12. And the reason I say that, because, again, did Chicago contact them? And if they did, then that means that they liked Mike Parsons, right? Because it's not like moving back from 10 to 12 was their only option, you would assume. Right. So it's really interesting that they liked Parsons well enough to grab him there. And it's a little bit, in my mind, like Kyle Pitts at four, where – that wasn't the, in my mind, the most logical pick. It was just simply taking the, in terms of team need, it was about taking the best player available. And so mm-hmm. they grabbed a player who they thought that could be transformative. You know, it's like, you know, it's like Michael Parsons, no matter what, in the immortal words of draft. <laughs> <laughs> <You know>? Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like a draft day doesn't seem to fade linebacker value either. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, it, it pumps up that LB value. That's yeah, right. That's sure. right. So, you know, I, and it's just Jerry Jones is not in his, his crew there. They've gotten better at roster construction because they kind of, you know, back in the Johnny football era, right? They put, they moved <laughs> off of Johnny football and got over to Zach Martin, you know? So yeah. I'm all about building the trenches. And so <laughs> every time I see somebody not building the trenches or not, you know, I just, I just like, but that said, what would they do? They're in the same spot as Denver. I mean, what 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 is the value pick there? What is what makes sense for them in terms of team need and value at the same time? And there's not a good answer at 112. And so, in that sense, I get going best player available. It's just such a weird situation when they have two name brand players at linebacker. 
Yeah, uh, I just think it's pretty simple. And that like Leighton Van Der Esch, they've 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 clearly taken both of those players and said that they're not the answers. And right. and, and that's the other thing that's kind of almost sad in a way. It's like if you were an employee, would you like to see how much press is out there about how dissatisfied your employer was with you? <laughs> they do a terrible job <laughs> of hiding that. Really. Oh. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's it's not that they were disappointed in his performance. They just couldn't rely on his ass to be on the field. Sean Lee and LVE. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's we say it every week, Kyle. Biggest ability is what? Availability. There you go. <laughs> and if, if you can't trust somebody to be healthy and on the field, it, you know, it changes your selection. And I think you were dead right, Trip, because that's I've been hearing the same things. They wanted a corner. And I think once one of those two were gone, they tried to move back and they took they were just lucky because I, I thought Parsons was a top 10 pick. Um, my question to you is where do you see them? Go? Is he, is he starting at linebacker and then maybe moving to end? Does he play inside? Oh, I, play I think outside so. linebacker. I mean, what are you thinking here? I think he's a four, three outside linebacker at meaning that he's yeah. primarily an off ball player. I think that they use him on the side and the edges a little bit and mix it up and use him to attack the flats and pass rush occasionally. But I do think he's primarily an off ball player and yeah. uh, you know how that fits together with the rest of the linebackers is interesting because last year in the last couple of years, Dan Quinn has used his strong side linebackers a little bit more of an edge. And so does he go back to, a more of a like San Francisco does where they're using their third Sam as an outside linebacker. That makes some sense to me because I, as a, you know, as an off ball linebacker, I mean, that makes some sense to me because I don't think that, um, that um, DeMarcus Lawrence makes a lot of sense at five tech. I think showing a little bit of double wide nine makes some sense. And that LVE looks more like a kind of conventional Sam in the, in the, you know, and I can't think of a good example to comp him to there, but he's a big guy, right? I mean, he, he mm-hmm. he's burly enough to hold up when he has to be on the edge, but I think it's primarily an off-ball linebacker role. I think that puts Jalen in the middle. And I've, I've thought for months that Jalen in Dan Quinn's defense could fit in that role. I, I really did. I Because it's a, it puts a little less stress on the player. It allows them to, to backpedal immediately as opposed to have to try to flip their hips and run. And so I, I think that Jalen could function in that defense as a middle linebacker. And so that, that's kind of how I see it fitting together with LVE as a part-time Sam and Jalen in the middle and Parsons as the, as the, as the will. I, and I think that Jalen and, and Parsons are the full-time players. And then obviously next year it's, you know, it's up in the air again because Jabril Cox comes in. I think Jalen is, is cuttable. He's not cuttable now. They eat cost if they cut him now. So uh, he's cuttable next year, I think. Yeah, and interesting. I know we're doing the first round, but you mentioned Cox, who they got a, a little bit later in the draft. I'm kind of. I think he's more that inside guy, letting Parsons play on the outside. So I really mm-hmm. love them doubling down at linebacker. But yeah, they got a steal in Parsons. He's a, he's a top ten talent. Now I know they were a few red flags with him, but uh, man, on the field, he's as good as anybody. He's you know he may be a better player than Jalen. Uh, just just a, a talent that you don't see very often that comes around. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. I like that uh, that that scenario you laid out there, Trip, with uh, Jalen in the middle and and um, LVE at Sam and Parsons at, at the will. It definitely makes a ton of sense, right? You know, in, in Parsons and uh, Jalen being the 
the every down dudes. Um, I mean, Parsons is going to run and make plays and blitz and do what he does best right away, right? I mean, just let mm-hmm. him go. And in and, and LV is a you're right, he's a bigger dude. You know, he's got right. good size and he can hold up on that sand playing over the over the tight end and, and eating bloggers and you know. So mm-hmm. um, it's an interesting situation that makes a ton of sense. And uh, man, I can't wait to see how that all all shakes out. And um, and I can't wait to see Michael Parsons running around making stuff happen. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up a big linebacker fan as a kid, so it's kind of fun. Me to too. See a big stud linebacker, yep. and and, and just um, now see what happens with it. Absolutely, <laughs> I agree, man. I'm the same way. Yeah, yep, for sure. So up next, we had to wait just a few more picks. Sixteen, Arizona's on the board, and they take Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. Kind of surprised me. I just. For whatever reason, I didn't think this was where they were going. Uh, but I love it, man. It's it's a they can groom him to be the replacement for Chandler Jones, who's a little long in the tooth, but they can start him immediately opposite Chandler Jones at that outside linebacker spot. He can play inside if they need him to. Good in coverage, a good pass rusher, just a super talented. Man, I love Parsons, but I'm telling you, Collins made it hard for me to not move him to number one. I'm just telling you because he can just do so much. And, I, and I'm and i not hating the fit in Arizona. You know, they got Isaiah Simmons, but I think Simmons is more of a safety in a way. You know, Jordan Hicks had a pretty good year, but I think, you know, that's kind of run its course. Um, I, I love this pick for them. I think he's going to be an instant plug-and-play and he's going to make a, a huge run for defensive rookie of the year. Will he win it? I don't know, but I think he'll be right there for sure. I was struck because right after the draft, they interviewed Steve Kahn, the general manager, and he talked about using Zayvon Collins at Mike. And that this was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute. Wow. That's game. <laughs> Hold up now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like you said, I think the gut reaction, especially after he weighed in at like 270, this pro day or whatever the heck that was, everybody's assumed, well, okay, he's a Sam. And then you see him go to yep. to um the Cardinals and you think, okay, well, yeah, he's going to play Sam there because they're and in the Cardinals three, four over the last couple three years with Vance Joseph, they've had a full-time Sam who was primarily an edge rusher. And so that's like, uh-huh. oh, that all makes sense. And then Steve Kimes says he's a Mike, and like, whoa, <laughs> what the heck does mm-hmm. that mean? And so I've been looking at this and looking at this and, you know, spending too much time on a computer and tweeting about it and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at some film and trying to figure out how these pieces fit together. And the more I look at it, it's starting to look to me like a 4-3 with Collins in the middle. And I think Hicks could survive as a will. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Hicks is $6 million on the roster. He's $6 million off the roster. So it'll be really interesting to see. Do they want to, do they get rid of him? I mean, he's basically a free square at this point for them. So what are you doing with Simmons? Uh, that's And so Simmons plays an overhang role. He gives them the flexibility okay. to shift in okay. and out of nickel without without substituting. And he, so yeah, that's, that's a good point. And then so what you got, like really the way this works is the defensive line is the troubling point because if you look at a 4-3 depth chart or a 3-4 depth chart, okay, they have one of the rookies from last year, Lecky uh, Lucky Foto or – Rashard Lawrence playing at nose, whoever. Mm-hmm. And then you right. got Jordan Phillips at three tech, and then you got JJ Watt out there. Well, JJ yep. Watt's not going to flip between three tech and five tech like a traditional three, three, four 
defensive end. That doesn't make sense. And so if they're playing three, four, they don't have enough linemen to make that work in my mind. And so to me, that makes Watt the strong side defensive end. It makes Chandler Jones the weak side defensive end. And that gives and that gives them room to play Simmons, Collins, and uh, Hicks all in base. And the, the the beat writers out there have been assuming for a couple of months that Marcus Golden is the starting weak side linebacker. It's like they're paying him two and a half million bucks. Is that starting money? He's like thirty one years old. Is like that's he's a rotational pass rusher at this point in his career. Yeah. So the way I and, he, and he's been together, there. <laughs> what's that? And he's been there. So yeah. you know they yeah. just. Yeah, and so I, the way I got this fitting together, I, it makes more sense in my in my head as a four three. And uh, I, I saw um, you know, there were some uh, Tom Kislingberry, who you all know, tweets out a good bit on. Mm-hmm. He showed some of his looks and some of his film that they played a fair amount of four three last year with Zach Allen at strong side end. Thank and you. so to me, JJ Watt assumes that role as the strong side end because you know what, what, what are they going to do with Zach Allen? I mean, he he's, he was drafted yeah. five tech, and I you know right. yeah. He's replaceable. So, I I, so when I look at how this fits together, this it's it's something worth watching. I mean, this is kind of my theory at this point. It could be totally wrong. No, I like that. I mean, it makes sense. You got Watt at one end, and you're going to move Jones to the end, which for fantasy purposes that's huge Mm -hmm. because you're getting Jones at defensive end. You know, he's kind of flipped back him and Khalil Mack for years, Mm -hmm. defensive end out linebacker, defensive end linebacker. So. I like that. And if you can start Hicks with uh, Collins in the middle, mm-hmm. with Simmons being that kind of a rover piece, so to speak, I, man, I love that. I, I do. I really love that. That's uh, yeah, that's that's good stuff, Trip. That breaking that down, it makes a ton of sense. Um, when I'm, I, I've probably talked about Zayvon Collins way too much on our pods. I'm a huge <laughs> Zayvon Collins fan. Um. When when Arizona made the pick, I was a little uneasy at first. You know, just what is his role going to be? You know, as it, it, as I'm thinking about it, sitting there, and then I retweeted the thing, the the quote from Steve Kime, uh, saying he was going to play middle. When I saw that play Mike in the middle, um, when I saw that, I was like, all right, that's that's what I wanted to hear because um, I do I I like that fit for him. Um, I'm optimistic that he can you know, be a really solid Mike middle linebacker. I think he's, you know, he's a big dude that can move. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's a fluid mover. He's got them long arms. He gets in passing lanes. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that defense is really going to be something in that, my, my uh, wheels are spinning here, Trip. Thinking about that four-three alignment, and uh, that's that's good stuff, man. Um, that's that's really really good stuff because I was real curious, you know, like hearing Collins was going to play Mike and seeing the pieces they have. What happens with Hicks? Like if the, if if Hicks and Collins were going to battle up for the Mike spot, I think at some point Collins would have took it from him. Yeah. You know, I don't think it would have been right away. Maybe you know whatever, but I think that was you know. So then what, right? Um, mm-hmm. And what you know, what do you do with Simmons? That overhang role makes a ton of sense because, I mean, the guy's a big, fast, versatile dude that can you can put him anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. um, so utilize your pieces the best you can, right? And with all the, with the defensive line being what it is, um, yeah. Now I want to see this. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, oh yeah, he's like crazy. Like I gotta get some film going here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's, yeah, yeah. We got. I can't wait to see. That. I want to see that. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch, and uh, sure. I'm I'm, pu- I'm pumped for Collins. And I, and I was just really excited to hear that they plan on 
right now talking about using Matt Mike because that's I think it's a good fit for him and I think it's gonna be good for IDP uh, production as well. So um, love the player, love the game, like the fit if that's the case. And let's see that four three happen, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we got Trip on here because we knew he'd bring the fire tonight. With this stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> he does. That's for sure, man. Absolutely. So that was the pick at sixteen. Couple picks later, the Dolphins are on the board. Um, I kind of thought this was the position they would go, not the player, but they selected Jalen Phillips, uh, edge rusher from Miami. Uh, you know, they're keeping in Miami. It's not that I don't like Phillips, but the concussion history kind of concerns me now. I know he's kind of past that now. And then I read something else that I really hadn't thought about. He's an accomplished pianist, and so was his father. So I want this is something I would love to know how the how NFL teams questioned him about his passion or love for the game. Because if you know, being accomplished pianist, that's no small feat. That's that's something pretty you know, that's something a lot, not a lot of people can do. So to be a pianist, naturally, you got to keep your fingers healthy. And as we know, in the NFL trenches, you know, they're getting bent and broken. And so I'm curious to see if that was brought up and say, hey, we know you love music. You're accomplished pianist. You know, which one takes preference here? Because as we all know, football is not a longevity sport. Um, piano is. Uh, you can make a career in either one of them. So, you know, is he looking, you know, I value music more than I do the NFL or whatever. Clearly he loves football because he's doing it, but I just thought that was something neat that you, kind of the things you don't hear every day. Fit-wise, I think he fits right in with the Dolphins. I think he's an excellent pick for them. Um, I Wasn't my number one edge rusher off the board. I thought there was a few other players that I would have took ahead of him. Um, but scheme-wise, I think he fits up exactly with what they want to do. This is a guy that I had going to the Dolphins for a couple of weeks, to be honest with you. I thought that he made a lot of sense there. They keep him home in Miami. Uh, I felt like that fit a need after they let Shaq Lawson go. Or they traded him, actually, for um, for Bernard, Bernard McKinney. So I, I, yeah. I like that fit for them. I think he, I think he could really help them. I think he could emerge pretty quickly as an IDP option because I don't think Emmanuel Ogba is a special player. I think he did really well as a feature pass rusher last year, and I think there's an opportunity for Phillips to come in and earn that, earn the snaps ahead of Ogba pretty quickly. So I actually really like that for them, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, as far as the other pass rushers go, um, yeah, I mean, like any all the better scouts than me, but uh, Phillips checked all the boxes on the production side and the athleticism side, and and so I I I just that's a slam dunk for me from an IDP standpoint. He's I think you got to take him as the first edge defender off the board. Oh no, I mean I I agree. Um, I, it's a great fit in Phillips. Mm. You know, Phillips is uh, mm. he had a great year. He's he, he's a problem off the edge, man. Uh, that swim move is something else. He's quick, athletic, quick off the ball. Um, Makes a ton of sense. Not, I'm not surprised at all that he's the first edge defender off the board. Um, I think I agree with you. I think he's going to be able to come in and make an impact right away. Um, you know, it, it. The thing is, like you said, you know, the injury concerns was the, the, a lot of the question marks 
that went along with him, you know, him retiring from football and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, the talent, he's a big time talent. And, um, you know, it's it, at 18, I think it's a great pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think fit, like you said, fit wise, he's going to be able to fit right in their scheme, come right in, produce. And, you know, Ogba had a great year. I agree. But like, um, not necessarily a guy that can't be beaten out for some snaps. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I think, I think uh, that pick made a ton of sense. Um, and uh, I'm a huge Jalen Phillips fan. Um, can't wait to see what he can do there. And uh, I think, I think we can see some production right away as a rookie. Mm-hmm. The music thing reminded me of Chad Thomas for Cleveland for a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second yeah. round prospect, and then he slid to the third, and that was the same yeah. question was asked: Is he? Well, does he want to do music more in football? And he saw the league, so it might have been the answer was music. But Phillips didn't yeah. slide, so I guess yeah. he stuck out with the Dolphins. Another <laughs> thing too, I thought that prior to the draft was that there was some chatter that he might go as early as fourteen to the Vikings. So it yeah. seemed that people were excited about him. So I, yeah. I'm optimistic. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right. So 19. Miami takes Jalen Phillips at 18. We get to 19. The Washington football team is on the clock. And they take what I consider one of the more polarizing players of this draft. Some people are high, some people are low, some people are like, who is this? Some people are like, oh, my God, this is the guy. And they feel a need, a huge need that they haven't had in a while. Linebacker, Jamin Davis from Kentucky. I can tell you personally, I don't like him because he he, he lit my balls up, I'm telling you. Super talented. Super talented guy. He sure did. Yeah, he did. Pick six to the – House. I see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pip six to the house, and there's nothing bad about his game. I mean, it it fits. I mean, he was a. I think he was a quick riser late in the draft process because a lot of people still don't know who he is. But you know, once his name got out there, I heard rumblings early on that you know, keep an eye out for him. He's going to start flying up draft boards. Sure enough, well, Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah pumped pumped him up there with yeah, you know, and they, they, they took was a couple off. others. Yeah. I mean, around the fantasy yeah. community, right? Um, yeah, and there was others as well. Yes, I agree. yeah. That I mean, sure. they sure. they really pumped him up, and I'm like, I had to go back and watch him. As bad as I had, I yeah. hated to do it. I had to go back and watch him, and, <laughs> but it made sense, and it made sense for Washington. I would have loved to seen them get Parsons. I would have loved to seen them get Collins. But I'm not hating this pick for them. I think he can give them exactly what they need at linebacker, especially playing behind that front four. Can you imagine what he's going to do? Yeah, I thought they were going to go Christian Derisaw in the in the uh, at pick 19 there. The re- part of the reason I that they have a need at tackle, but also because mm-hmm. Derisaw from the DC area. I, right. I don't know if they make the homer pick and go that way. So I was a little surprised by the Jamin Davis pick, and in part because. Uh, before the draft, Ron Vera said that replacing Kevin Pierre-Lewis was a high priority. So if you imagine yourself pick, replacing Kevin Pierre-Lewis, what kind of draft capital and what kind of player do you imagine replacing <laughs> Kevin Pierre-Lewis with? 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I guess they did it. You know, it's like it's like yeah. they took a you know a shovel and killed a fly with it. But you know, all right, they got her done. <laughs> so, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, there's obviously there's a you know certainly a need there. They've been rolling with John Bostic for a couple of years, and I think that yeah. he's been okay. I mean, a lot of people don't like him. I mean, he's not good, but he's okay. He seems to have found his rhythm in the NFL, and right. he does. He can. He's he does some. He's filling gaps and you know running the defense okay. And then you got Cole Holcomb, and I tell you, I, I I you know a couple couple nights ago I was on a pod cheerleading for Cole Holcomb, and I was like, I got to go back and see how these guys fit together. Cole Holcomb was bad in the last two or three games, guys. Oh my gosh, he played like a three quarter time role in the middle of the season, and looked good. <laughs> And then they put him out. He and Bostic played full time in the last two or three yeah. weeks of the season. Holy cow, both of them struggled. And there were some games that like they beat Philadelphia because Philadelphia mailed it in, if y'all remember that. And then they got yeah. torched by freaking Tampa, you know, the defense linebackers in particular. So I you know it's 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 and so yeah, I said, like, okay, now we get it. Yeah, they got they needed a linebacker or something fierce. So <laughs> you know, and yeah. you got Jamin Davis out there, and he's you know, like y'all said, a fast riser, only one year starter. She just blows up the this pro day with the big numbers and he gets on people's draft boards and the Washington needs to grab him in the first that they want him. So yeah, he's a guy that comes in and for me, he pushes Parsons as the number one IDP on the board. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh Washington needed a linebacker. Like you said, you know, Bostic's getting up there. Um, Cole Holcomb hasn't been ideal. Um, but uh, you know, Jay, like we said, Jamie Davis is probably the biggest riser right for the draft, right? Once yep. his name got got out there, and his pro day numbers were just ridiculous, right? Forty two inch vertical, four four eight forty or whatever it was. I mean, he's got long arms. He's got the build. Um, you know, he's a run and chase linebacker. He can just make yep. it happen. He he adds a whole other aspect to that defense, you know, and that. That defensive line is fantastic, and they'll be able to keep him clean. He'll be able to run and make plays, and um, I think he's he's pretty solid in zone coverage. You know, he can really turn his hips, drop back. He's got a pretty good feel. Um, you know, with that one year of, as a starter, I thought there was times in May. I think he can play man coverage, but yeah. he's a little raw there, which, I mean, just needs reps, right? And Ron Rivera will coach him up. And there was a couple times, one game I watched, he he lost the he lost track of the running back out of the backfield on a swing pass because he was just kind of, you know, checking out the action. But just looked like a guy that just needs, you know, just, just kind of – just a super athletic guy looking to make stuff happen because he's, you know, he's got it all. But, uh, you know, he's just going to get some reps and um, I think he's – I think he's going to be, he's going to be something right off the bat. You know, he's, yep. they, they needed a guy like this. Um, and Ron Rivera is going to turn him into a, a machine. A, a guy who's going to be able to just be a tackling machine and uh, be a producer for us. And, and uh, he's, he's got, he's got the total package. Like Tripp said, he's going to be pushing for, uh, for it's the top producers here out of these rookies. So. I like yeah. checking out the action. I think that uh, John Bosco can go hook him, check out the action a lot. And watch <laughs> <him>. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? What are, we, what are we looking at here? <laughs> Which is really yeah, just, intriguing me that you've got him as your pushing Parsons for that top IDP player because a few weeks ago we had uh, Dingus and Calvin on uh, from the Dynasty Vipers, and uh, Calvin's like – Jamin Davis is going to be the defensive rookie of the year, which I took a note of it and wrote it down. Yeah, hell of a call back now. Yeah, big time call. So I, I'm hoping he's right. Um, my one thing is, if Arizona does not jump the gun, 
I say jump the gun. That might be the wrong term here. If Arizona doesn't take Zayvon Collins at 16. And, hey, one sec. They said that as the board sat when they were on the clock, Collins was their top player on the board, and that was the done deal. I believe I read that. For so. Washington? No, for Arizona. When Arizona was on the clock, oh, oh. they said Collins uh, – when they were on the clock, that he was the top player on the board, and that was just a run to, run to the – And I board. believe that, but my question would be if that didn't happen, and I know ifs, buts, candies, and nuts, and all that good stuff, but if Collins is there at 18 when Washington picks, do they still take Jamin Davis over Collins? Mm. I, I think you got to take Collins. He's just a He's just an impact – freak it's rare that you can find a especially that size that you can find a linebacker that can rush and drop in coverage i mean when the hell have you seen a 270 pound linebacker run back an interception 90 something yards for a freaking touchdown right (laughs) i mean he's a special guy not that i'm hating the davis pick i just i that stuff is so intriguing to me I, i i'm just curious to would collins have been the pick had he still been available. I would love to see the, the, the draft boards for these teams, right? Oh, Just let us have a peek, man. I've said it so many times. A few years ago, I went to the draft in Nashville. Bucket list item for me to attend the draft. Just happened to be in Nashville, so it worked out. But my next bucket list item would to be sit in a war room. I, I don't even care what team it is. I just like to sit in a war room during the draft and just see the the process and hear the behind the scenes stuff that you don't get. Right, absolutely. Oh, that absolutely love to hear what these guys are thinking. Well, I think it would be crazy. Uh, moving along here, so a couple picks later, or Washington at nineteen. I said eighteen. Sorry, Washington at nineteen. Twenty-one. Those. Stinking nasty Colts. <laughs> kind of worried. I thought maybe rumor was corner was a big, big need for them. And it is. Uh, you know, they got Rockus in and those guys that they've drafted the last couple of years. Thought they might look at corner, but they go with Quitty Pay, edge rusher. From Michigan, who I have as my number one edge rusher on the board. I thought that's who Miami should have took. Um, I had him in my top five IDPs overall. While I hate it, being a Titans fan, it makes pretty damn good sense. I mean, you've got uh, – uh, what's his name? Glover. Okay, Glover, Grover Stewart. Grover Stewart and Divorce Buckner inside. Yep. Then on the outside, they that's where they need their help. You know, oh, yeah. they tried uh, – what was it, Kyle? Who did they try last year that was hurt? Um, they tried uh, lots of stuff. Well, they they <laughs> did try. Ben Benogu, Justin Houston. Justin yes. Houston, that's who I was thinking of, yes. So they Toure tried can't number, stay healthy. Yeah, they tried <laughs> yeah. a number of options. They got two rays. So to get a pass rusher there – I thought made a ton of sense because uh, clearly right now the division is Tennessee and Indianapolis right now. Um, so I thought that made perfect freaking sense. Um, 
you're getting the top pass rusher, in my opinion, of the draft at 21. Uh, Kyle, you're the uh, big Michigan guy here. What can you tell us? Are we right? Are we wrong? <laughs> um, no, I I love the pick and I love the fit. Uh, of course you do. Cool. Of course you do. Why <laughs> well, you know, right, why right. You a little bias, just a little biased. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about if the Colts needed helping in. I mean, that group uh, it was right. pretty lackluster. Um, I, I like, I like I said, I, at 21, I think pay is a good value. I mean, it, he's going to fit their scheme well. He's an excellent run defender. Uh, he sets the edge well. Um, I do think uh, he needs to kind of develop his pass rushing arsenal a little bit. He likes, he loves it, loves to go to that bull rush. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's, he's a he's a very uh, athletic, physical specimen for a man of his size. He's got a quick get off. He's got that speed to power combo you love to see. So the bull rush is effective driving linemen back. You know, in college, is it going to be as effective in the NFL? I mean, he does. Ha- he's got the traits to translate right away, right? He can set the edge. He's disciplined. He's good against the run, and he's going to be able to get some sacks as well. It, and um, I, he's. I think he could come in and and give you a, um, some really good snaps right away as a rookie. And they need it. So um, I, I I think it's a great pick for Indianapolis. And I expect Pay to do really well there. Um, and, you know, he's he's uh, he's going to produce for you as a rookie too. So yep. I think it's there's no doubt about it. I'd, I'd be shocked if he wasn't a starter. You're right. Yep. You know. How about Trip? What do you think? I think this is a, another example where they just decided to take value. Because I thought I right. had them going Greg Newsom here. Like for corner, like oh, all okay. said, there's a need there. Okay, and then I yep, thought yep. Christian Derisaw represented good value here too. I guess this is yeah. just a situation where if I got a guy penciled in, then I think everybody should take him after that. You know, <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> you know it's like I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's all good. But yeah, Quiddy Pay is a great value here for them. I think I and I was thinking that he could go off the board as early as 12 to Philadelphia, and so to see him here at 21 is. Is good. I, they certainly need edge help. They've had all the guys we just mentioned. They've, had, they've invested several second round picks in guys, and both the both the wide nine rushers and the big ends yep. like Juan Lewis, and and they're just not finding guys. And this, so they they brought in Buckner because they just kind of really needed an impact player as a pass rusher, and they got that. So that sets up Quiddy Pay really well for success because. They're not going to be able to double team that guy with Buckner in, in the middle, so that's nope. that's pretty interesting too. So I don't I don't see him as being a huge IDP stud in the way Chase Young was in his first right. year. I think it's yeah. going to take him a year or two to develop. I think it's going to take him a couple of years to get the snap count under his belt that you want to see from an IDP. But I think from a football standpoint, he's in a fantastic spot to succeed. It's a scheme that doesn't yep. ask him to think a lot. He's always going to be coming forward. Uh, he's going to be set out to a point where he's uh, going to get up ahead of steam before he has to face double teams. I think he's in a great spot there. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I thought they were taking corner too because they needed corner help. Um, so to get Quiddy Pay here, I think that's just, you know, kind of a best player getting the number one edge in my on my draft board. I, I, it's just huge. Um, kind of odd because here's my Titans right behind them at 22. Um, <laughs> man, I don't even know where to begin with this. Lay it on us, Daryl. What are you thinking? I don't know what to think because I, I'll tell you, I really wanted Christian Barmore here. I wanted that Jarrell Casey, Jeff Simmons attack again, and I thought Barmore could be that guy. 
first round talent. Still think he's a first round talent. Um, our desperate need was corner. It was clear that our defense was mm-hmm. shit last year, uh, especially in the secondary, because that's why they cut everybody under the sun. They didn't bring back Vaccaro. They cut Adore Jackson. They let Malcolm Butler walk. They let Desmond King walk. I mean, they basically gutted this defense, so mm-hmm. to speak, especially the secondary. So I know we needed receiver. We needed tight end. But, man, it's not going to do you no good if you, if you can't stop some people on defense. So getting a corner was imperative. Um, we took Caleb Varley. Most people thought he was the best corner in this draft. Opted out last year, of course. Um, I thought he was the second best player because, like I said, I think Sertan was your best. But it was close. Sertan, Horn, Farley, and I'll even throw Newsom in there because I thought he closed the gap a lot. Um, I honestly thought Farley would be gone by now. Hence, New Orleans trying to draft up or move up in the draft. The one thing that let him fall was these back injuries. Kind of concerning. Um, all reports are that it's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Talent-wise, he's exactly what we need. I mean, he's exactly what you need. You signed Janoris Jenkins, the veteran. You've got Christian Fulton from last year. Now you bring in Farley. If Fulton and Farley can live up to what they're build this secondary be okay with Byard and Amani Hooker on the back end. Um, me personally, I would have liked Barmore, but, uh, you know, as long as the medicals check out, that's what scares me, the medicals. <laughs> um, and I think I think if, if it hadn't have been for that, he's probably gone before those two at eight and nine, which means Dallas probably takes one at ten, which changes this whole freaking draft. But, um, yeah, I, I think as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, which would have been crazy, right? Three corners, yeah, the first yeah. three off the board, yeah. I, um, and there's also this – I know I'm long-winded here, sorry, but there's all the, also this gambling thing with John Robinson. Jeff Simmons a couple of years ago was a top-five pick if he's not hurt at defensive tackle. And I think John Robinson saw this again. Hey – we can get a top 10 player at 22 because nobody's going to take him because of the injuries. Let's roll the dice. I think it's a carbon copy of that. Will it turn out to be as good as Simmons? If it is, we hit a freaking grand slam right here and we're back in it. If not, then there's going to be a lot of questions to answer. I think you're exactly right. That was the first thing that occurred to me too is Jeffrey Simmons. And the fact that they were willing to wait on that player to get healthy and come into their scheme. Cornerback is not the hardest position to learn uh, schematically that he can get up to speed and get on the field. And like you said, he's a top 10 caliber player that this is who I had mocked to the Titans. And he is a desperate need for the team. And that's, I just, I think that's the right pick. I, that, that, yeah. And as far as IDP, I'm interested in that too, because the Titans have had two DBs in the last two years finish like top 10 and both of them are cornerbacks who, Played outside and inside in terms of yeah. boundary and slot, and I'm interested to, you know, hear your thoughts and who actually does kick into the slot when they go nickel. Oh man, 
I think they're going to play a lot more man press mm -hmm. because I think that's where Farley excels. So, you know, kind of the same thing with Janoris. Um, if he's healthy, I think it's Jack Rabbit and Farley mm -hmm. on the outside. Mm -hmm. And Christian Fulton kicks inside to the slot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just kind of my thinking. I, I, and who knows? I, I just don't think he kicked Farley inside. I mean, not that he can't do it because he can, but I just think Fulton's the better option on the inside. Mm -hmm. if, if Fulton and Farley live up to what they're supposed to be, this defense could be ugly really quick for a lot of teams because they could shut some people down, especially when you can cover – and you've got Harold Landry, Jeff Simmons, Danico Autry now. Now you're getting those pass rushers up front and those linebackers, Brown and Evans, can come in. you got Byard and Amani Hooker at safety. Corners where hinges everything for Tennessee right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you guys. I think you nailed it. Like the, If he's healthy, what a value, right? I mean, and it's a fits a need for you guys, Daryl. Um and, oh, it's a um, huge need for us. Yeah, I mean, we got 22, freaking roasted on the outside at corner. Right, but he doesn't make it to twenty-two if he doesn't have the back injury. No, but I don't think he makes it out of the top ten. The way things were early on, you know, there was team our scouts or analysts that had him as their first first corner on their board. Did you so. guys have him as your top corner? I'm curious to where you had him because I had I Sertain, not. Farley, Horn, Newsom. That was my top four. I had Sertain, Horn, and Farley third. So you had Farley third. Medicals is yeah. what dropped in for you? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And How about you, Tripp? Uh, you have to agree with that. Is you just you, you just it's the opportunity of the player being yeah. not getting on your field in the preseason. Yeah. You, just have to, yeah. you just can't you just yep. it's the risk that you have to build into your ranks. Yep, totally agree. Awesome. Yeah, I mean awesome. ex excellent value for your Titans though, Daryl. If he comes back healthy and to the player that he can be, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so scared of injuries. I mean it's Roll I can that say dice. this about I can say this about John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. They got some big cojones because they will roll the freaking <laughs> dice. <laughs> yes, sir. You ain't kidding. All right. Well, Jeffrey Jeffrey Simmons so, worked out pretty well so far. So yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Simmons is a beast. He is a freaking beast, mm -hmm. no doubt. Okay, so 22, that was the Titans, Caleb Farley. Uh 23 was Minnesota, 24 was Pittsburgh, 25 was Jacksonville, 26. Theme of the night, corners. Kind of surprised that at 26, Cleveland took Greg Newsom. Why? Because I saw they have there. Yeah, they had. Yeah, I did too, but I was surprised. You got Denzel Ward. You got Greedy Williams. Or as Dan used to say, and I'd make him say it every time, Mr. Shoestring Tackler. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was just surprised they kind of took corner. But once I kind of thought about it, Denzel's been pretty damn good out there as they're shut down. Now you got you you drafted Greedy, what, a year or two years ago as your second corner. He's been okay, but now you bring in Greg Newsom, I think that helps Greedy. Because now you got your shutdown in Denzel. You've got Greedy on the outside, and you can put Greg Newsom in there at slot, and he run a four what? Four three eight. He freaking blistered it at the pro day. I think they're set with their corners, and then on the back end, you got your safeties, you got your pass rushers up front. Mm 
man, I, I love what Cleveland's building. And with Newsom, the fourth corner off the board, that kind of set the theme of the first round. Corners were the hot thing in the first round. Yeah, yeah I, I thought, uh, go ahead, Trip. Yeah, I think that it speaks about Greedy Williams and his and his health. I think that they yeah. are concerned about that. And it's back to the same point we just had about Caleb Farley is that you've got to consider that. And and so it helps him a lot. True. It's and um so I think I think he was a good value sliding out of like I said, I had him at twenty one. So um I saw that shadow out of Cleveland. That's the player they were looking at. When it comes to well, what else did they need? I my thoughts were Christian Barmore and and Jeremiah Cormoa, and they got Cormoa with the second pick. So uh, they got check two boxes on that <laughs> That's one. That's crazy. So, I, so yeah. <clears throat> Which I love yeah, Newsom for Tennessee because I I expected Farley to be gone as as well as Horn and Sertain. So if Barmore went there, I was hoping they would kind of look at Newsom. And I think that was an option that I think the draft just kind of fell luckily for us that way. But mm-hmm. I love it for Cleveland because I think he's man. You want to see how good he is? Go back and watch the Ohio State game against Justin Fields. He made him look silly. I mean, straight up made him look silly in that game. Yeah, he kind of made his, you know, left his best play for the end of his his run there. You know, right? uh, new right. and, and he was a big riser. Um, you know, and the, it didn't right help the that he freaking so. burnt that forty up too. Right, right. No, it's a good pick for Cleveland. I know their their secondary shaping up to be pretty good. You know, with Ward and, and Newsom and um, bringing over John Johnson and hopefully Delpit comes back healthy for him. And getting Wusu uh, Cormo in the second round is um, just excellent value. It's just crazy. Um, That's freaking so, thievery. Freaking thievery. <laughs> um, just uh, really, really good additions to their defense with those first couple picks, man. It, they definitely, uh, definitely improved to say the least. That was well done by Cleveland. Yep, for sure. Baltimore at twenty-seven. Now here was a shocker, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know much about the guy. Um, I did hear his name mentioned a lot late in this process, like week of stuff. When I say that. So New Orleans is on the board at 28, and they take Peyton Turner, defensive end from Houston. Definitely a need because they don't have Trey Henderson no more. Jordan's getting a little long in the tooth. Marcus Davenport hasn't panned out. Zach Bond, they drafted last year. I don't Drew's still out on him. So they take Peyton Henderson or uh, Peyton Henderson. <laughs> Peyton Turner, Turner, excuse me. Yeah, take Peyton Turner here at 28. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him. I need to go back and watch. But I know his name caught fire right before the draft. Uh, What do you guys know? What do you like about him? Well, this is a guy that I became aware of because I follow John Owning, who's a big – he's a Cowboys writer for Dallas Morning News, and he was really on to Peyton Turner and was excited about the possibility that Maybe Dallas could land him early in the second round, and so that's so that's a player that he, that's how I got turned on to him, and I checked him out. And he's a player that um, he's at Houston because I think he got hurt in high school, and so if I recall correctly, he didn't he didn't um, get the big time Power Five offers, and so he lands in a spot where uh, you know a decent program is a chance to produce and get on the field. And he's a player that has premium size and athleticism. Not not 
amazing athleticism, a great size and frame. And so uh, he's a guy that has inside outside flexibility so he can help uh, the saints there. And because the, the saints play, they have a good mix of even and odd fronts. And so he's a guy that kicks inside a little bit for them in a free down set. And uh, he replaces Trey Hendrickson in terms of the role in the team. And so if certainly, certainly fills a need and he's able to get out there and play uh, you know good compliment of snaps right away so fills a need it's uh he'll get get playing time right away so from an idp standpoint i think it's it's, it's interesting to keep an eye on for sure uh for folks that are in deeper leagues and he, he'll shoot he should get a de tag for sure so i kind of like him i think that's a nice fit for them for him and for the team yeah it's i totally agree with you trip i think you nailed it um like you said he got hurt there in high school didn't get the big offers um with Houston, he's he's a big dude. He's six five, two seventy. Um, he's got good size. Um, you know, he had a real good year. He only played five games this year, but he had five sacks and uh, ten and a half tackles for loss. So you know, they put he put some put some nice tape up there this year. Um, you know, like Tripp said, he's a bigger guy with some versatility. He's got good length. He's powerful. He, he moves pretty well. And you can, I think he had, I had read something somewhere too. He had, he was up to like two ninety at one point. And this year he played at two seventy. So. Um, you know, he's got that bigger frame. So you could do a lot with him. And, um, yeah, I mean, Hendrickson's gone. Davenport hasn't done much in his time there. So, um, yeah, that, that's a need, especially when you got to replace 13 and a half sacks from last year, right? So, with mm-hmm. Hendrickson gone. So, um, opportunities there. And, and I think Turner was one of those guys you had, I'd seen places, you know, there, there was some people that really liked him. You know, yeah. because of the you know the size and the ability and the athleticism and the, the he had a really good year and um so you know I I thought a, lo- a lot of day two buzz um I didn't know didn't expect him to go round one but I mean I get it if he's your guy and you need, you need a pass rusher late round one get your dude um yeah like like Trip said interesting spot for IDP you get the DE tag and and the and the opportunity looks to be there so well. Okay. You know, one of the more surprising things for me was some of the players that's still on the board here. You know, if you're needing a pass rusher, I just, you know, I'll admit, I, you can't watch everybody. So I need to go back and watch some stuff on Peyton Turner and, and check him out. But, you know, for me, I thought that was a bit early. There's some other players that I liked a whole lot better that we're fixing to get to. Um I was just curious to see if you guys knew about him or were high on him earlier because I just did, I was not because I didn't know enough about him. Yeah, I tend to pay attention to those edges that so, check, the, check the boxes athletically. And they, I was yeah. looking back to see yeah. what his pro day numbers were. And he had, uh, he ran a, um, like, a, I just uh, went off my screen there, but it was like <laughs> a seven second uh, three cone time, a four, three, two shuttle. Uh, he had a 35 and a half inch vertical. So at, at, at weighing in at six at 268 pounds and six foot five inches tall, those are pretty good numbers. He didn't do some of the other tests. So, but the ones he wanted to do, he did very well. in. yeah, that's what you yeah. want to see. Those are, uh, he did what you wanted, wanted him to do there as far as hitting mm-hmm. the numbers. So definitely. Exactly. Uh, so we move along here. That was 28 new Orleans. 29, the very next pick. Guess what, guys? We're back to corners again. <laughs> Kyle's Packers. Oh, this is – I know this is a sore spot for Kyle. You know, they love Kevin King up there in Green Bay. He's their star. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but they take Eric Stokes, the guy from Georgia, and he run a blistering – what was it, 428, 40? 
four two eight four three one, just fast. Whatever yeah, it was, yeah, super fast. But uh, yeah, they they definitely needed to upgrade there. No Jordan Love pick uh, this year, Kyle. No Jordan Love. Yeah, I I, I don't want to talk about it. I, I thought we'd just take Kyle Trask and really make oh, it. Come on, come on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it was pretty pretty obvious we needed help at corner. Oh, um, we uh, resigned Kevin King, which uh, I don't I don't know. I don't oh, really, really? Want to talk about Kevin. I don't really want to talk about Kevin King too much anymore. Um, but no, I mean, Breaking corners news, need, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green yeah, Bay yeah. has resigned Kevin King. Put him on your right. IDP rosters because he will get burnt like a turnstile. <laughs> Steve, I've seen a NFL Network. Steve Smith called him out. Kevin King is pretty funny. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They said uh, I don't know if I heard it right or something like he was talking about he could take he could burn him or something. And they said, uh, "Well, you thinking about making a comeback?" He goes, "Well, how long do you sign Kevin King for?" <laughs> <laughs> you, know, oh, you know, Steve Steve Smith ain't scared. Um, but, but, uh, <laughs> Question uh, is, did Eric you Stokes. cry, Kyle? Did you cry when they re-signed him? Nah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I quit crying over oh, Green Bay's decisions a long time ago. Um, but now, nah, the, getting back to the Stokes pick, make, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we need a corner. Um, athletically, the dude's gifted. He's got long arms. Good. He's got the good length. He's fast. Um, you know, he – Played in the SEC at Georgia, so he's he's played with the big with the big boys. Um, I do like him. I think in Green Bay, they're high on him. Obviously, you're going to say that after you draft him 29th overall. But um, right. uh, I do think uh, you know the a lot of ability there. I think he's he there's some things he's got to clean up. You know, as far as anticipation and uh, make a plays make a plays on the ball and stuff. Uh, but I mean, there's some good. There's some bad. Bottom line is, whoever's opposite of Jair Alexander is going to be busy, and I hope it's Soaks and not Kevin King. <laughs> so, um, if he, yeah, so sure. he's got a he's got a chance to uh, you know get get a role right away. Um, whether they kick him in or he plays outside, I, I think he's he could do a little of both um, from what I've been reading out of Green Bay. And um, IDP wise, if he's playing opposite of Jair. He'll be busy, so keep an eye on that. <laughs> well, what what is the answer to the yeah, question? Who was the best cornerback sure. to enjoy the Bulldogs last year? <laughs> oh, right, right, exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, right. I, I, I was like, wait, what? I mean, it's, yeah, it fits a need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like Stokes. I think that a little bit early, but I think – with what we've seen earlier in the draft with four or five already off the board, kind of started to run. You know, the theme of the night was corners. So, you know, if they're going to take one, I like this here. Super fast guy, can play, aggressive. I like that for y'all. Um, number 30. Man, I love this pick. Buffalo Bills on the clock. And at 30, they take Gregory Russo, the pass rusher from Miami. Opted out in 2020, only one year of production, but damn, what a year of production it was. 15 and a half sacks in his first year as a starter for Miami. Um, I had him rated as one of my top three pass rushers. I thought he'd be long gone by now, but Buffalo gets him 
Buffalo may be putting together a Washington type defensive line because now you're going to have AJ Epineza along with Gregory Russo on the outsides with Ed Oliver and I forget the other guy. Oh, a guy they drafted later, Carlos Basham. You've got four young studs that you can put on that defensive line. It's almost like they're looking at what Washington's doing. And I tell you, I got to love it. With those linebackers, Adams, Milano, Edmonds playing behind them with Poyer at the back end. You've got uh, Johnson and uh, Tredavious White at corner. Buffalo's got it going on on defense right now. So, like I said, Russo was one of my top three pass rushers, and a lot of people said, well, he's only played one year. He opted out. But you know what? We, we saw a lot of opt-outs, opt-outs, Caleb Farley and some of these guys. The one year of production, not as concerning to me because sometimes you got to wait your turn or whatever. I'm more concerned when you can't produce. Um, I, I just, I love everything about this for Buffalo. You know, they're kind of moving on from Mario Addison, who's been very serviceable, veteran for them. Now they continue this youth movement. I, I, I just freaking love it for Buffalo, and they're a team you need to watch out for right now. <laughs> I, I got to say, I was uh, I, I got more reservations about it than that. One of my first reaction to it was, yeah, I like that for them, and they certainly needed edge help. But um, as I sat there and thought about it and talked about it with the guys that I was, ta- uh, you know, right. meeting virtually with on that draft night was – you know, th- this is a guy that he had all year because he opted out to prepare for the Underwear Olympics. And, and he, you know, he shows up at the Underwear Olympics. He puts up a 4.53 shuttle, seven and a half second three cone, and a 30 inch vertical. It's like, well, what were you doing all year, Bo? <laughs> in addition to that, though, they, they then draft Boogie Basham in the second. They have A.J. Epinesa in the second from last year. And it reminds me a little bit of the Cowboys. The Cowboys have, all, like, you know, the four best players are all weak side linebackers, or at least the four players <laughs> have the most invested with. The four players that the Bills have the most invested with are, are all strong side defensive ends. So, you know, how are they, all these guys going to fit together? And is it who is it an indictment on? I, they, yeah, I'm, yeah, Epinesa, yeah. But I, I, this, this Rousseau pick, it just makes me a little nervous. It's just like, man, I don't know. I just I'm trying to figure out. I, I was glad to see them take Malcolm Koontz in the third because they needed that speed rusher because Malcolm mm-hmm. or uh, Mario Addison isn't getting it done. So yeah, that, but um, you know, I, I don't know a lot about Koontz. Maybe you guys can talk about that, but um, I, I just, from a profile standpoint, he fit what they needed. So just, just not sure what they're doing on the defensive end and the defensive line. And we, I think when we were on, when I, when you and all, when the three of us talked a year ago, we talked a little bit about that um, Buffalo defensive line and how badly hurt and how surprised we are that Star Lele opting out hurt them on run defense. And I just, they just got all these three, five, nine type big ends. And I just, it's just like they're throwing bodies out there. It just doesn't look like a plan to me at the defensive line position. I just, I just have concerns about how it all fits together. And, and Russo just, I mean, he was, it's like the same issue with Mosley we talked about, right? He was good in 2018. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. they had to get younger. Yeah. Addison, Jerry Hughes. Um, oh, God, help me with the other one. Oh, I forget they have, his name. Um, uh, Murphy. Epineza? Murphy, that's oh, yeah. it, Murphy. Mm-hmm. So they, Murphy. they, they, they knew they had to get younger. 
Yeah. Oliver's your inside guy. Epineza, he can play outside. He can kick inside, which may be an option. I think getting Russo, he's he's your other outside guy. Now, Basham, I know we're first-round talking here, but Basham is another guy that I really like out of Wake Forest. So maybe he can kick inside. Maybe he plays outside. And then you mentioned Koontz comes from Buffalo, a really good player. Um, question with him is the competition level. At Buffalo, you're not playing SEC teams, you know, uh, but he fits the athletic makeup and has some of the skill set that you want. But kind of listening to what we just said, me and you, Trip here, I see some versatility. So maybe they're playing a matchup scheme where they can kick a, a, a Boogie Basham inside or maybe they kick A.J. Epineza inside on some plays, you know, I think that's what Sean McDermott likes to do. If you go back and look what he did in Carolina, he did some of those same things where he could move some players around to win matchups. Um, I, I like it. I mean, I, some people don't like Russo, but I've been high on him from the beginning. I'm, I'm going to stay with it. Um, I just think they are transforming a little bit of a youth movement, youth movement in Buffalo. And, uh, like I said, I had him as a top three pass rusher, and I think if you can get a top three pass rusher at freaking 30th pick overall in the draft, that's a steal for you. And I understand some of the concerns, but, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Kyle, break this tie because me and Tripp are button heads right here. Button heads. <laughs> I don't know. I, I Remember, Kyle, I, I will fire you I'm, if you're wrong. You fired me. You probably fired me 100 times already this year. <laughs> rightfully so though i'm sure mm-hmm. um I, I i'm i'm a little confused as well what's going to happen to buffalo i understand taking russo at 30 right um yeah you know like trip said they got strong side defensive ends epines is a big guy that was a long arm power mm-hmm. rusher you know um he can kick inside russo can kick inside miami did kick him inside and you know they put him over a guard he's got a pretty quick get off pretty smooth quick get off so he can get on a guard quick and he's got those long arms to get on you in a hurry and control you and get you the hell out of the way um so you know russo's he doesn't have that great bend off the edge um he's got that huge frame and um you know it's still developing and stuff but uh yeah the pro day numbers like trip said weren't great for a guy that was just hanging out um i i like the pick for buffalo from uh NFL standpoint, because it's a good value at 30 if he's one of your top edge rushers on the board. But I'm I'm real confused too on what they're gonna do. I think Boogie Basham's a real good player to Wake Forest as well, like you guys said. Um definitely like what he brings to the table. Um, you know, Epinesa last year, they slimmed him down a little bit and it took him a little time to get used to what they want him to do, and he started playing better at the end. But um they got Ed Oliver, like what are they gonna do with all these guys? I'm not sure yet. Um yeah, I Kind of just want to see what their what their plan is. I know they rotate a lot, but that was with older guys like Jerry Hughes and Addison. I I would imagine they're going to keep that rotation and maybe the top guy plays sixty percent of the snaps, kind of like last year. Who knows? But um, where are they going to line these guys up? And um, you know, like who's on the field together? So not sure right now, and I'm curious to see it. But you know, Russell's a big dude who can who can play. So um, just got to keep an eye on what they plan on doing with them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're closing in on the end of the draft. Two more to go here. Baltimore, 31. They take uh, Jason Oweya 
from Penn State who tested really well, didn't have the college production, which is concerning to me, but kind of the same thing why I didn't like um, Kavalon Chase on last year for Jacksonville. If you, you know, if you can't produce in college, what makes you think you're going to be able to do it in the NFL? So, uh, but he tested well at the pro day. Um, they need help at pass rusher edge. So, I mean, I understand the pick, but uh, just not one I would take. What do you guys think? I thought he was an interesting fit there. I, right uh, there, you talk about the lack of production, and it's a little bit reminiscent of Daniil Hunter from LSU a couple of years ago. And he's Ooh, he's this, yeah. this traits based guy that comes in. The Baltimore has an opportunity to, to develop and and take over a Terrell Suggs like role if he can come along in a couple of years. So they had a terrible need to pass rusher, in my opinion. They're rolling out Pernell McPhee this year on the at the rush at the rush back position and. And so I, I think it's interesting. I think there's a lot of upside in it, and it's certainly risk for sure. Like you say, he doesn't have a track record of production. So uh, he, he showed a little bit. He showed on film at Penn State. I mean, he showed a little bit of what he could do. No, he didn't get there. He didn't get home and make the, the sack. But he did have his moments where you could see flashes of, of something there. So, uh, it's yeah, it's a little surprising, I guess, when in that context that he's going in the first round. But um uh, it, this is a run on edges here, and yep. <laughs> I, you know I, they, they went they went and got their guy. So I, you know, it's, I think it's interesting. I think it, I think it has potential for them. I'm, I'm, that's one you just got to watch and see how it, it turns out. With path to snaps, there is uh, a good defense, an aggressive defense that's just going to turn him loose and give him a chance to not think too hard and, and get better. So I, I kind of like it. Um, you know, it's not it's not. Um, like say he's not he's not pro ready, but he's certainly has an opportunity to develop quickly. Yeah, I think you nailed it right. The up it's upside pick athletically. The dude's just absolutely gifted. You know, physically he's he's built well. He's good size, and he ran a freaking four three seven forty at his pro day, which is insane for a guy six five two fifty seven. Yeah, like you said, the no sacks this year. You know, th- there was some reps on tape where he just is he. he really pushed the pocket and created some havoc just didn't get home um big need for uh pass rushers in baltimore with yannick gone and judon gone and um the like trips said, the path for snaps is there obviously away's got a lot of potential he's like i said athletically gifted showed some nice reps on tape and um just one of those big upside picks right and yep. we'll see how he fits and how she goes so and at 32, the final pick of the draft, the Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay, takes edge rusher Joe Tryon from Washington. Um, not hating it. I, I, you know, when you sign the entire free agent class back to run it back, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like the whole draft becomes luxury picks for you. So didn't expect them to go edge rusher. Um, didn't expect him to go Joe Tryon. Maybe they know something I don't know. Uh, he's another one I haven't watched a whole lot of. Um, but hey, I mean, if he fits the mold of what they're trying to do, then you gotta you gotta like it. So, uh, what do you guys think there? I actually had Oway penciled in here and <laughs> my mock draft, okay. uh, and the yep. reason why is because it, that was it's it's and so Tryon fits the same bill in the sense that he's a player that. Could use a little bit of development, but steps into a spot where all he has to do in year one is be a rotational pass rusher. He's behind Shaq Barrett and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, 
Uh, those guys played a ton of snaps last year, so there was a need for another pass rusher on that team. So he has an opportunity to come in and and specialist spots and and uh, it's like a couple other guys we mentioned, just pin his ear back, ears back and get after it. So he's a guy that again has good athleticism. Uh, as a bigger guy, is six foot five. Uh, he's not a guy I know a ton about. Of, I, I believe he opted out last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and, he did. Um, he had, and, he had and, a really good 2019 and opted out this year. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think he's an interesting pick. I mean, he certainly looks like a guy that could probably groom to replace JPP in time. So I, I kind of like it for him. I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm the same line of thinking as you, Trip. I, I like you. I thought OA was, I thought it was a good chance Tampa went that way because sitting at 32 with them bringing everybody back, you know, getting an upside edge like like an OA or a try on makes a lot of sense. I thought that was a good chance they would get some. I, I had OA going there as well. Um, but yeah, Tryon's kind of the same aspect, right? You know, upside pass rusher, needs a little development. Um, he's got the size to get off, the athleticism, versatile uh, dude that you know he he's got some nice reps on tape as well. He's he's got some development too, but he's going to be able to sit back and learn from JPP and Shaq Barrett. So you can't ask for much more than that. And mm-hmm. when he gets in there, they're just going to say go get it. And uh, JPP's getting up there, and his contract's going to be up after this year. So if they like the development, they're get that Tryon the you know the trajectory he's on, then it. Um, it makes a ton of sense for them. Um, just a really nice upside pick at 32 for the, the reigning champs there. Mm-hmm. All right. That wraps up our first round analysis. We got a little long-winded here. Um, <laughs> we got excited, man. Right. I, I thought that happened. So, I mean, I, I, it's draft season. I, you know, I know people – get a little bored sometimes with long podcasts, but Hey, this is the time of year. This is the stuff that you want to hear. So um, we'll move on to our listener questions here real quick. Uh, Twitter user, Stephen Perkins at flavorize this. How could the Titans draft a corner with such a big injury history? And who also took the year off is the risk worth the reward. We kind of touched on this. If he's, if he's healthy, then yeah, the risk is worth the huge reward because I think it'll pay off big time. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Um, you know, like, like Steve said, um, it's, it's risky with the injury history and, uh, but you know, the, the value to where they got them and the need, um, you know, like we said, when we were talking over the pick, um, if he comes back and, and shows that he's over the back injury and stuff, like it gets back to the player that everybody, thinks he is and, and he's put on tape um it's gonna be a great value for you guys and big need as well right like yep. you said you guys need a corner so um, huge need and you know you you alluded to it and we were talking with jeffrey simmons and whatnot that that you guys have shown the you ain't scared to gamble right that's right and uh if the value fits right um big ball john rolling those dots <laughs> baby <laughs> yep so um you know it could pay off big uh, for you guys, but definitely risky, like Steve said. Absolutely. Um, up next, another Twitter user, Jordan Loop at Cantaloupe FF. Which of these three linebackers, Parsons, Collins, or Davis, is the best? Is in the best situation to produce early? Man, this is a tough question. I like Parsons in Dallas. I like Collins in Arizona. I like Davis and Washington. 
I like Collins to be honest with the three of those for immediate production. I just think he has, you know, that's where I'm going to. That's, that's exactly what I was about to say. I mean, I love Mm -hmm. Parsons, but I think Collins is set up the best. Yeah. And it's really about who wins a full-time job right away. And that's true. It's a gamble. And I think to say that it's it's Collins only because he's a little bit later of a pick. And I think that Holcomb and Bostic are guys that they didn't hate in those roles. And, and obviously we know from what Dallas says that they got issues with Smith and, and Van Der Esch, but it's all about who wins the full-time job, and it's it's really hard to predict that at this time of year. But that's right. for me. I look at that run and chase linebacker. He's he, that's just the type that you want. That he just those types eat up tackles. People want to talk about Darius Leonard. Well, okay, but we know he's a run and chase linebacker. Darius Leonard is. We know Collins is a run and chase linebacker. And no, he's not going to do what Darius Leonard did. But it's just pushing <laughs> him in a situation to succeed and just pile up tackles. Yeah, it's a great point. Like you said, if he's going to play that Mike spot. Um, and hopefully they play that 4-3 that Tripp was talking about. That would be pretty ideal for production. I also think if if uh, Davis gets that weak side role, um, you know, he could really rack up the tackles too, man. Um, if, if if Rivera's comfortable with him out there, we'll, we'll see. I misspoke. I was thinking Davis the whole time. I, I said Collins. I know I did, but I misspoke. Yeah. <laughs> Davis. But Davis, yeah. yeah. I mentioned Bostic and Holcomb too, so my bad. This is getting late. <laughs> yeah, it's it is getting, getting late. late. Yeah, no, I, I do like I, – I, I, I got you, man. I do think Davis uh, wins that weak side role. Like like you were alluding to, Tripp, uh, mm-hmm. playing behind that line, getting kept clean. It, it's just going to be run and get it, and he, he's going to – he can cover, and I don't think Holcomb can cover like Davis can cover, so um, – the snaps there, but yeah, I, Collins and Davis both I think should be. Uh, I think it's going to be close nice. between all three of them. To yeah. be honest, you. I, mean, I think if I ha- if I had to pick a guy right now to, to score the most points or whatever IDP wise and whatever scoring system you do use, uh, I'll probably bet on Davis. Mm-hmm. But I think it's to be damn close. Yeah, it's going to be real close. And I, man, I love Parsons. Davis <clears> might <throat> be in the best spot, and Collins may be the best of both worlds type, but I, I just, I got a feeling it's going to be Collins with what they're doing right now. My uh-huh. issue is the uncertainty of Collins is that it, you right, know, right. people think he's the Sam. Well, if he plays Sam, right. that, takes, that just yeah. crushes his tackle ceiling. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm only, I'm only putting it close. If Collins does get that mic job, like they're mm-hmm. saying, then yeah. it'll be close. If not, then it's uh, Davis for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's early, but yeah, definitely. If Collins got to win that mic job to, to have a chance to catch him in the table. Yeah, for sure. And our last question from our buddy Brandon Hay at HayB3. He wants to know what can we expect from Quiddy Pay in his rookie year? It, it it's so hard for rookies just in general to start, um, mm-hmm. regardless of where you're drafted. Uh, I think you have some elite ones like Chase Young, uh, Micah Parsons. I think uh, you know Landon Collins is the you know going back. Um, if Pay can learn it, he doesn't have to carry the team. That's the thing because he's got divorced Buckner, he's got uh, Stewart, he's got some of those guys that can Darius Leonard that can help him along and cover up some issues. But um, it's going to be him getting in there and learning that system and fitting early. If he can do that, then I think there's some upside there. I think he's definitely a starter at some point this year. How soon I don't know. Hopefully later than sooner. But. Um, <laughs> I think he fits what they want to do. I think he's a good piece for them. Um, I just wouldn't let my expectations run wild. I, w- I would temper them with him. 
I think that we're coming off a spot here where recency bias plays a factor. There were so many productive rookies last year of both right. sides of the football that right. people want to say, oh, that guy's a first-round pick. I'm going to take him in my dynasty rookie draft, and I'm going to plug him in my lineup and and be, be productive right away with him. And I Quilly Pay is not the guy to rely on for that. So no. I think Quilly Pay is going to take at least a year to really be a guy that you want to rely on as a starter. For yeah. uh, he, it's a developmental player. Uh, I think if you're using a, a late first round pick on Quilly Pay the way you would have Chase Young last year, I think you're making a mistake. Yep. Patience is definitely yeah. a key without it. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't see Quilly Pay having big sack numbers out of the gate or anything. Um, like I said, it, his best skill right now is he's a really good run defender who can set the edge. So he's going to be a good fit for Indianapolis because they're going to get snaps out of him as a rookie. But production-wise, you have good, solid production rise for a rookie NFL-wise. But IDP-wise, I don't see big sack numbers right away out of him. But um, it, like we were talking about him earlier, it's a good fit and a good pick for them because they need what he brings to the table and they need edge help. But I'm not seeing a huge rookie. Yep. Whew. Awesome stuff, guys, man. I know we got a little long-winded, but, hey, that's that's what it's about, right? I mean, yep. this time of year is so exciting, hearing uh, everyone's different point of views, what they feel about these guys as you get ready for your uh, your rookie drafts and, and how they fit your teams. Some great stuff. Um, wow. Man, action-packed. It doesn't even feel like yeah. two hours, I swear. Um <laughs> Uh, so we're fixing to do a quick Patreon. We're done for the night. But remember, if you'll sign up for our top-tier Patreon, the official doctor of IDP Nation, Ethan Turner, we all know and love so well, he is giving his rookie guide away when you sign up for our top-tier Patreon. So uh, the guide alone, I'm telling you, is a freaking amazing. I got it last year. I'm getting it this year. The work he puts into it as well – well more worth than what you're paying for the top tier Patreon. Um, that guy alone, I think sells for like 20 bucks and it's worth more than that with everything that he puts into it. So sign that up for the top tier. Oh, it's amazing. So sign up for our top tier Patreon, help us out. You get the free injury guide and, uh, shoe guys, if y'all don't have anything else, we'll, uh, we'll slide on over into the good well, stuff. Just want to say a big thanks to Trip for joining us, man. This was awesome. Thanks for taking the time to sit oh, down yeah. with us and, and talk some football. And uh, go ahead and tell the people once again where to find you and what you're working on, dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's awesome to come on and talk with you all again. I really enjoy mixing up with you all. And it's, it's fun when we have occasional disagreements, right? It makes it interesting. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, yes. you, Dan used to tell me if we agreed all the time, nobody would listen. So huh? That's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm at DynastyFootballFactor.com, and I've got I've got rookie profiles out that are in front of the paywall for the top three drafted linebackers in the class. Plus awesome. a, a sleeper tight end that I would recommend folks in deeper leagues put, uh, take a look at. Uh, rankings, are I think, are live tonight. I got them live, current through about 140. I need the folks back in the database to add some more rookies like Ernest Jones and Monty Rice before I can flesh it out. But um, they're getting there. So <laughs> Awesome. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah, you do great work, man. I've been Absolutely. following you for a while, so it's good stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You're all kind of say that. Y'all, y'all are some of the staples of the IDP community, and I enjoy keeping up with y'all on Twitter, too. Everybody should definitely jump on y'all. <laughs> Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate Thank that. You. So, yeah, that about does us. 
does it for tonight. Be sure to uh, stick around for the Patreon and we're going to do and uh, sign up for that top tier. Get that injury guide. Thank you to our sponsors, MFL and uh, Action 24-7. And, uh, man, I can't wait till next week. Maybe we'll do rounds two and three next week. So, um, right on, man. So much good stuff. But yeah, um, we'll be up till one a.m. Which am We may have to start a little earlier. If we do two <laughs> but you know, thank you, Trip, so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, it's man. Always a blast having you on, sir. Glad to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely awesome. All right, guys, and we are out. Bye, Kyle. <laughs>